Welcome to Kilts and Culture with USA Kilts. We're here to talk about all things Highland dress, the cultures and the heritage that created it, and how to enjoy the kilt in the 21st century. From tartan and trues to haggis and history, we cover it all. So sit back, grab your beverage of choice, and enjoy the show. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to Kilts and Culture. I am Rocky. This is Eric. Today, special treat, as we do every month. Yep. Um, in honor of Christmas, we are rocking our Christmas sweaters, at least for the try segment. These things are going to get hot, and they're going to get hot quick. They're getting hot now. Yes. <laughs> you also have a hat on, too. Yeah, yeah well, you um, know. And uh, Coraline, if you could bring in you and Mac as well, show them your festive, festive holiday attire. Max, Max is pretty cool. Coraline's is yeah. the most tasteful. Surprise, surprise. I, yeah. It's like a, it's like a checkerboard. It's, it's like, you it's know, you could beautiful. like, you could turn it into a checkers game. <clears throat> I, don't know. I will say this. This cost, I was at a store with Liam, with my son, and I saw this on the wall and I had to know how much they were charging for it. Mm-hmm. So I went over and I was expecting, you know, it's, it's, you know, sports apparel stuff. So I was expecting like, you know, right, right. $50, $100, just something crazy. Yep. And it was 10 bucks. Might have been marked down. You think? It was absolutely marked down. Yeah. I can't imagine why. I have, I have a problem. <laughs> I have a compulsion. Mm-hmm. If I see flyer stuff that is cheap, even if it is hideous, mm-hmm. I have to buy it. I understand that. So I get that. Hence, Me, hence I the just, existence. I just... I was just channeling my inner ghost of Christmas future here. Or past. He's dead. Yeah, but it's the future where it's the ghost yeah, that is fair, threatening. Fair. They're all all the ghosts are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're okay. they're ghosts. Yeah, they're beyond death yeah. anyway. But okay, that was meandering. Glad Yule, everybody. Yes, and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that happy stuff. Yep. Today for our try, in the spirit of the holidays, we are going to try three. Different shortbreads. Three. And they're going to slide oh, oh, oh. all over the plate when I do that. All right. So we have Vortman's. Or is Mac, is that how to pronounce it? Vortman's? Vortman's? Vortman's as far as I've been able to tell. Vortman's. Okay. Okay. Vortman's. That is from Canada. Mm-hmm. We have Walker shortbread from Scotland. And we have Keebler shortbread from the U.S. So like Keebler elves, little guys. Elves. That's yeah, elves. That's appropriate. Yes, yeah. sure. That's why we did it. Right. Um, not because those were the only three they had. We're not biased in favor of walkers at all. <clears throat> no. Yes. Of course not. So, indeed, to pair with our shortbread, we've given Mac and Eric and myself options on what we want to drink to cleanse the palate, as it were, um, to wash down the tasty cracker that is shortbread. Um, Eric, what have you opted for? I'm. I'm actually. I'm. I'm ready. And both in two ways. camps. Yeah, I got I got your some holiday. nice tea. Got your tea. And just in case I got a little extra backup dram here. Fair enough. The tea is Earl Grey lukewarm. Fair enough. I have I have my coffee as my standby, but my preferred will be scotch mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the highly coveted Often sought after. Off sought oft. Off sought, sought after. after. Yes, indeed. USA kilts. Glen oh. carrying glasses. We'll put these down. Mr. Mac, what would you like 
Um, would you like scotch? Sure. All right. I'll share my tea with you if you want. For scotch, I am rocking, or Mac and I will be rocking the Oban. Um, it is a good, um, it, it's not too peaty, too smoky. It's not going to like distort the flavor or, you know. Yeah, we tried this uh, last month, I think it was actually, and uh, we're pleasantly yeah. surprised. It's kind yeah. of a nice uh, middle palate, you could say. It's not too, not too peaty, not too uh, sweet. Mr. Mac, come collect your Come drink. and get it. See, now Max's sweater actually sort of kind of matches his kilt kind of a little bit. I mean, me, I just like threw that out the window. It's totes adorbs. Yeah. Well, my sweater, you know, darn well better match my kilt. It does. This is me. This is the the Broad Street Bully Starting that Mac and I designed. Um, We did a special run of it just basically because we love the flyers and we wanted the tartan to go with our flyer stuff. Nothing as hideous as this existed (laughs) via tartan. So... We made up the uh, Broad Street Bully starting with should, black uh, gray. You should make Coraline a one. She's she's a Flyers fan. She's more of a Devils fan. But oh uh, yeah, oh, no. okay. Bum, yeah, bum, bum. Oh, now I let that out on air. Yeah. Okay, yeah. there we go. There we goes still, our there goes our ratings. See, we still hired her in the city at least. Yeah. Okay. No. All right. Anyway, shortbread. Indeed, we are shaggy dogging already. Yeah. All right. So, Lanja, let's start with the shortbread, Mr. Eric. Which one would you like to start? <sighs> I was with trying first? to wondering that. Um, you want to go oldest to newest or newest okay. to oldest? Okay. Why don't we try uh, oldest and newest? The oldest would be the Keebler Company. The, oh, the company, as yes. opposed to the shortbread. Well, the short, well, it'd still be still the oldest company. That, okay. Um, okay. It doesn't give me... I don't have data on which when they is started the oldest as far as shortbread gotcha, incarnation. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, uh, okay. Keebler. <coughs> All right. Start with good old US of A. And here's here's the funny part. The traditional... The, the Keebler one is, in a way, kind of the most traditional looking because it's the plainest. Yeah. You know? It's got that, like, little crackly-ish on top. Yeah, just no decoration. Yeah. Smells right. Okay. Basically, basic shortbread. A little crumbly. Yeah, it's very cookie-y. Yeah. It's crispier like a cookie, yeah. which isn't surprising. See, now if you don't have a no. mug of tea or something, then you're going to get crumbs all over. God's man. Vacuuming up. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm a shortbread fan, so I'm not going to say no to any of these, you know, but um, it's, it's okay. It's acceptable. It's not stellar. Mm-hmm. Mac, what are your thoughts? It's a cookie. Um, yeah, it's like a shortbread no, I think cookie. it's just kind of just a... Just a flat. It seems just like general middle of the road. It's not too one side or the other. It's not yeah. blowing my socks off, but it's <clears> not like... I feel like if you just put some granulated sugar on top, it'd be a sugar cookie. Yeah. It's yeah. just a basic cookie. You know what it reminds me of? The, 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 your if, country estate in no. Aberdeen? No. If Keebler made a shortbread cookie, <laughs> that's what it would taste like. Like, it literally, it's, it's pretty on the nose for what... Like, if you what like you Keebler expect. cookies... It's very, they're like very just regular crunchy cookie. They're not soft. They're not, you know, savory. It's just kind of a eh, cookie. Um, mm-hmm. It's that in shortbread form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. Mac, scale of one to 10. I'm going middle of the road. I'm going to go five. Just right in the middle. Nah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay, 4.9. Are you we're comparing gonna, this we're to? Gonna, we're going to go just general. So if we want to go like hard numbers, but, but, let's go four point nine. Okay, but we're doing the ratings as we go, not all together at the end. Yes. Okay. All right. Short 
specifically, we are rating this as a shortbread cookie. Is this the worst zero shortbread cookie you've ever had? Best shortbread cookie you've ever had as a 10? That is what your scale is. I'm you're going, you're going 4.9. Just right in the middle Got of the road. Wow. Eric. I'm going to say 3.3. Okay. You know why? Because I'm comparing this to homemade. Which is... Depends uh, on who who's homemade them. I would argue but, that any homemade shortbread <clears throat> is better than store yeah, I, that's You know what I know what I missed out of that? What? You know what I didn't taste? The love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Keebler was made originally in the city of Brotherly Love. Hmm. You just... If well, they, so I just dissed Philadelphia. Sorry, guys. In, well, it's, I'm, I'm making up for it. Okay, good. In good. fairness, <laughs> it is difficult to have a full industrial kitchen in one of those little tree holes that the elves work in. I always in. thought it was subterranean, and the tree oh. was basically just the chimney. Hmm, fair. You know? Fair. Extensive yeah. root system of... Um, no, you're mixing that up with, with the Gummy Bears TV show. Gummy Bears was an awesome TV Absolutely. show. Am I right? Bouncing Mac, here and there and everywhere. Yeah, Gummy Bears was an High awesome adventures. cartoon. All right, all right, all right. We're Shaggy Dogging again. They are the Gummy Bears. What is the next old? When, how old is Keebler then? So the, Keebler, company? Uh, the Keebler Company was established by a German descent in okay. uh, 1853. Nice. Okay. Um, cool. All right. And they eventually did get bought out by uh, a England company. So maybe maybe their recipes maybe that's changed. When they they really, yeah. They well, really, maybe they didn't make shortbread until they were bought out by an English company. That's fair. All right. Okay. Next. Next. So the next oldest would be. Oh, wait, did I say what my number was? You didn't. Oh. Um, we'll get it in post. 4.2. 4.2. Okay, yeah. so I'm at the lowest. I'm at 3.3. Yeah. I'm, I'm the least impressed. Okay. Yeah. All right. Maybe it's my sweater. All right, next. Me down. So next oldest would be from nine, from 1898, and that would be Walkers. Dun, Walkers. Dun, dun, dun. And All right. obviously they're marketing. They got yes. the thistle on, on there. That's going to be blurry because it's too far. Okay. To the camera. All right. Here. Um, it got a little thistle. I can I can smell the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it smells that. sweeter. It smells butterier. butterier. Yeah, it smells like more butter. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Slanchable. Slanchable. Do you say slanchable cookies? Sure. I can wish you health any way I want. <clears throat> now that tastes like actual shortbread. Yeah, a lot more butter. More butter. A lot more butter. A lot more butter. Mm-hmm. Um. Almost, almost flakier. I was gonna, I was flakier is what I was thinking. Yeah, it's um, there's there's some sweetness to it, but there's also a uh, just a full, more full bodied flavor. It's more, mm-hmm. more, more, <laughs> more complex cookie <laughs> with with vanilla overtones. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, yeah, it leaves kind of a. Uh, Mm. Uh, like the, the 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 buttery fatty mouth kind feel. of film in your mouth, mm-hmm. yeah. Film in your mouth sounds so much so it horrible does. compared to mouthfeel. What do you think, Coraline? Coraline is our resident baker, so she's also probably biased, but and she's also not miked. So oh. you guys are on screen though, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be the polite one and not talk with her mouthful. <laughs> it is delicious. Yeah. I would take this over the keyboards any day. <coughs> Sorry. Um Yes, I do uh I do enjoy this one much better. Mm-hmm. Definitely has a lot more. You guys already kind of said everything that I was gonna say, but yeah. I'm gonna go with the firmness. It's a lot more firmer than the other one. The other mm-hmm. one's a little bit more on the softer side as comparing the two. Yeah. yeah. It's 
Yeah, the other one's a little drier. This one's a lot, not really moist, but it's it's not as dry as the keyboard. I would be willing to bet that there is vegetable oils in the keyboard one and more like actual butter in the walkers. Fair. If I knew anything about food, I may agree or disagree. With oh, you, you can check the labels yeah. later. But. All right. Mac, one to ten. So since um, this is the original family recipe also um, since since 1898. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with um, on this one. I will go with a 7.3. Okay. Eric. 8.1. If we're just judging uh, uh, shortbread cookies, I'll say 8. 8. Okay. I haven't had Fair too enough. many that Fair are enough. like that much better <clears throat> in my life. There's one. Love you, honey. Yeah. Um, one or two brands that I would, that I can't remember the name of the brand. Like I've had slightly better than Walker's before, but. Uh, then they get into the flavored ones, and I like those better. Does than Kelly? Plain, does but... Kelly make? <clears throat> no, she just makes the uh, Springerlies. Springerly cookies, yeah, those are good too. Oh, she could make shortbread, and it's not that difficult. Right. Um, it's very, very simple. It's a big flour, sugar, and it's simple, but the yeah. devil's in the details, butter. like like uh, like um, thickness, yeah, and... thickness and mixing versus over mixing the batter and stuff like that. And I guess yeah. it, sometimes it can burn easily. So, and she crawls on her head again. So she, yeah, but the, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's deceptively simple. Yeah. All right. Last one. Vortman's. So the last one is Vortman's. Yeah. Yes. Eight, eight point eight. Did I say? Yeah. Eight point yeah. eight. I said eight point one. And Mac was uh, seven point something. Right. Seven point three. Seven point three. So Vortman's began in nineteen fifty one. So they're the oh, new kids. Oh, this is the flavored. Block. You smell that? It smells like vanilla. It smells like vanilla. I was gonna say almond. Or yeah, you know what? I will say this. I kind of dig the, the the shaping though. It's kind of festive without being too on the nose. I kind of like. Reminds me the of those those cookies that are in the tins that he has like the variety pack. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it reminds yeah, like me. Like grandpa's, or grandma's cookies. I can't fit it into my mug though. I blame the mug. All right. There we go. Hmm, it's definitely flavored. Um, I think you're right. It's almond. Yeah. Does that skew the test? Well, I can tell you what I, my basic impression is. I'm gonna have to think. I'm gonna have to rethink this a little bit. I like the keyboards better than this. Yeah, I agree with that. My first, my first reaction to this was, oh, it's a Chinese fortune cookie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. For for flavor, yes. For feel, crumblingness. I'm just going to spit things. Um, this doesn't... Like, it's I don't just know. A, yeah, it's just a really bland cookie. Yeah. It's like I, it's a kind of cookie you'd expect to have jelly inside. You know, like yeah. I was talking about those generic... Yeah. I'm going to spread some yeah. like, little uh, dollops of yeah. whatever in the top. Yeah. Spread some uh, strawberry rhubarb right. jelly on top. <clears throat> well, your strawberry rhubarb makes everything better, but... Right, yeah, I'm, I'm really not impressed. Sorry. Sorry, Canada. I'm, I'm right there. Go ahead. I'm not, it's not that we're not impressed with Canada. Yeah, Let's I'm, just start there. Right. It's the Canadian cookie that we had. I thought USA was going to be the loser on this. Just just Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah. All right, Mac. Your score, 1 to 10. What was your Keebler Elves one? Your Keebler? 4.9. 4.9. Okay. This? 
I'm gonna go three point nine. Okay. You just like cookies. I do. Well, I like cookies too. I am fat, so you're uh, Eric. I'm, I'm gonna up my Keeblers in retrospect. Uh, to like you a can't, you can't adjust the Keeblers in retrospect. You can't. Your score is your score. Okay. Then, this has to go then below it. Then if you uh, don't like it as much. Three point five. Okay. What did I say for keyboards? Down there. You said 3.3? Okay. Well, then I mean 3.0. <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe even a 2. I don't know. It's just not, yeah. it's not doing it for me. Yeah. I'm I'm going to say 2. I'll, I'll, I'll finish it. You know. No, I wouldn't even say 2. Like 1.8. I'm not finishing it. Right. It's right. meh. Like if there was a plate of... If I'm at a holiday party <clears throat> and there's a plate of this next to a plate of any other kind of cookies... And somebody says, oh, that's shortbread, or it's labeled. I would try this. If no one was looking, I would throw it. I wouldn't put it back. But I, I would throw it out. <laughs> Sorry. And then I would get something else. Like, mm -hmm. I, no. Yeah, it's not. No. So, congratulations, walkers. Yes, walkers it is. Yep. There's a reason why they've been around for so long. It's a reason it's the original family recipe. And uh, if you need holiday cookies for your next party, try walkers. <laughs> Or make it yourself. Now, I, yeah. I like um, I do like adding additives to shortbread. Like um, caraway is really delicious. Yeah, shortbread and cinnamon, of course. Yeah, oh, maybe yeah. a little cinnamon. bit of vanilla. Yeah, yeah. Orange. I would like an orange flavor. Or orange any, sauce. Like yeah, yeah or, or lemon kind of flavor. I could see. But I like the I like the I like the straight up normal yeah. traditional also. Yeah, but it's we all tried about, to do all about all, the butter. And we tried to do all normal ones. I didn't know that one was going to be flavored. I don't think that hurt it though. Because I don't think I would have liked it as regular shortbread either. And there's no um, difference between, like, the walkers we get here in the States versus the walkers they get in Scotland? Not that I'm aware okay. of. It's I got it out of the international aisle, so it doesn't necessarily mean anything. At uh, Wegmans, Wegmans, right? At the Wegmans. <coughs> so it shouldn't Not be that the hard Yacomy. to find. No, the Wegmans. The Wegmans. The Wegmans. I'm bringing that back. Say. Very good. All right. Mm. As we continue drinking our scotch. Um, it has been long, long awaited for Mac and my tartan challenge where we actually name all the books in the background. Um, we've covered them. I should say my mom covered them with tartans. Love you, mom. Um, and Mac and I went through and I threw down the gauntlet. I threw down the challenge a couple months ago now, I guess to see who could name them correctly faster me or Mac. So we did recently execute that challenge, recorded it, we got something coming up. We're going to do that at the end of the show. But so we can yeah, wait for it. get out of these very, very hot acrylic. Also, blinky I know I'm dazzling you guys with my awesomeness and I got to tone it down. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. But as a as a teaser to something you're going to see in two hours, if you stick around or an hour and a half, um, we're going to play a uh, little teaser bit that Coraline put together. A trailer, if you will. A trailer. Thank trailer. you. Thank like you. A, like teaser a bit trailer. trailer. Yeah. yeah. One of those things. We're very, very technical and professional with the way we run our show. Um, anyway, Coraline's going to hit that. We're going to disrobe tastefully and then be back in one minute. We'll be less. right back. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. Two very special contestants, and they're going to compete to see who is the Tartan champion and who is the Tartan chump. Correct name, correct color variation, and as quickly as possible, gentlemen. Wallace Red Muted. I'm sure he did a pretty good job. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Firefighters Memorial. The winner and new and probably only 
Tartan champion. We're back and still drinking. Um, he was doing that the whole time. It was very, very distracting. Um, so we're back now, boys and girls. Remember, at the end of the show, we're actually gonna go, gonna go into the full tartan tra challenge. It's like an eight-minute video we put together for you. Um, so stick around for that. We're gonna be doing that at the end of the show. With that being said, you know the drill. Load in your questions. Mac will ask them. Eric has a list of uh, yep. some preloaded questions from previous shows and that people submitted on the interwebs. Um, and mm -hmm. that being said, Mac. Quick, quick, quick shout out to oh. Clan Claws, by the way. Yes. There was a question about Eric's hat. Um, is that a actual tartan or is that a... That is the best tartan that CVS Pharmacy had to offer. <laughs> I, I just, I couldn't resist picking it up when I found it. So, yeah. I don't know. What would you call it? I don't know. It's it's almost like Cunningham-esque. Yeah. That's probably Yeah, that's probably be the closest. Yeah. Yeah. Ish. It's not, but it's yeah. Cunningham-esque. But it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's Cunningham's bastard. Coat. It was the only one I saw. This is last year, so good luck finding it. But Yeah. Actually a real tartan Santa hat would be kind of cool. I don't disagree. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Any other questions? We'll have uh, Eric start off. I'm catching up with sure. all all three uh platforms. Yeah, and, <clears throat> Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. We're actually, today, we got to figure it out. We're actually streaming on Twitch, on the YouTubes, and on Facebook simultaneously. We are simulcasting. Mm -hmm. um, uh -huh. Our show is going global. We had somebody from Russia already on, was it, on the YouTubes? Yeah. Saying yeah. they're watching from Russia. That's freaking awesome. We have so, Russia, Australia. We've had a, a, quite a few, con we're a few nice. countries. Nice. Uh, so, Daspadania <coughs> and uh, G'day. G'day, mate. Uh, good evening. Um, throw another evening. shortbread on the barbie. How um, else can we insult your culture? Let's yes, know. let's let's be as stereotypical as possible. Um, anyway, they can, they can get us back. So, if you guys see in the comment section, it says like from YouTube, from Twitter, whatever. Depending on what platform you are you are on, not all of them do it. Um, you're gonna see other people's comments from different platforms and yours. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So yes. Okay. So while Max getting set up, uh, I'm gonna start off with uh, uh, Pierre Arpin or Arpin. Might be Arpin. I think he's in France. Um, I think he's Canada, actually. Or is he? Okay. Yeah, he's a customer. Um, would you wear a kilt with an argyle uh, to a job interview? Now, assuming you're not going full whole hog with gilly brogues and stuff, but would you wear an argyle jacket and a kilt to a job interview? I've, I've thought about this before. I've kind of struggled with it. Hmm. Um, it depends on the job. It depends yeah. on how... There's a lot of factors involved. It depends on the job. depends on how badly I want the job. And I'm willing to change who I am for the job. Um, mm -hmm. It depends on what the dress code of the job would be. Um, mm -hmm. Depends on if you know the people or not and all these different kind of things. It also depends on how often you wear a kilt in your own life, like daily. Do you wear yeah. it every single day and that's just who you are? Or do you wear a kilt, you know, once a month or just on special occasions? So mm -hmm. it, it, it really depends. And I hate to kind of give a, I don't know, answer, but it depends um, you're not copping out. No, no. The, it's if it was if it was a manual labor job, um, and I wanted to be memorable, and I could dazzle them with speech as well, and I wanted to add the shock value of it. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If it was a job here, 
absolutely wear a kilt to the interview. Worked for me. You'd be shocked how many, well, you were just kind of, it was a weird interview process with you. Yeah, but um, I was kilting. <clears throat> yes. So. Um, but the, um, uh, yeah, you'd be, you'd be shocked how many people interview here and don't wear kilts, hmm. which kind of always surprises me. Like you're interviewing at a kilt company. You should probably prove that you own a kilt. Well, maybe not all of them have them, but yeah. I think they'd try. Well, the ones that do, I thought would, but yeah, anyway, yeah. Anyway. I digress. Um, if you're going for a job on Wall Street, no. Um, if you're going for a job, the one thing that I've always thought was very, very underutilized. If you're going for a job, here's an example. As a car salesman, I would probably wear a kilt, which would give me the chance to explain to the, the manager, whoever's interviewing you, that you're going to use it as a sales tool to be able to break down the initial discussion barrier. Right. Because if right. you're wearing a kilt, people are going to want to come up and speak to you and talk to you about it. Um, and therefore, it's going to be an easy, you know, change over to, oh, tell me about your family and what do you, what brings you in here today? And it's a lot, you know, all the barriers are down if the person's already talking to you about something they think is cool. You will potentially go the opposite direction with some people who may say like, oh, I don't want to talk to the guy in a dress. Um, but yeah, maybe but. if you have a staff of 20 salespeople or, or 10 salespeople, that'll help you stand out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'd say that if there's a performance aspect to the job, then you're showing that you can really be out there and show confidence and also, uh, some personality. You got some moxie. Um, so I, I would yeah. say that if the job entails that, then why not? Um, and again, yeah, it probably depends on how badly you want the job. I would not expect a 20 something who's find, trying to find a job to make sure they can make rent to necessarily take the risk if they're worried about getting a job with a regular corporation or something. But if you're in the middle of your job career and your job career, your career path, and uh, and you want to show some personality and some, some confidence, then it could be very useful. I would say this as well. <clears throat> if you currently have a job, if mm -hmm. I'm going out, I'm living paycheck, or I'm living on nothing. I have no money. No job. I need a job to be able to make rent next month. I would not wear a kilt necessarily because there would it would be some kind of weirdness potentially mm -hmm. if you're that desperate for a job. If you are in a job that you like, but or or you find reasonably you know acceptable, I can never um, and you but you want to see what else is out there, and you like wearing kilts, and you think it would be awesome to wear a kilt every day, then. I would start looking for other jobs, you know, take, mm -hmm. a per, take, take some personal time, schedule some interviews, wear a kilt to the interviews. And if something better comes along that will let you wear a kilt and that's really what you want to do every day, then you're golden. But you're not risking your current job doing that. Yeah, I guess. It, do you feel like you're on the defensive or on the offensive? If Very good way if, to put if it. If you're vetting the company as to whether you're going to actually get along with them, then maybe the kilt would be a good way of... Uh, uh, nipping problems in the bud. That's a good point say. too, because interviews go both ways. It's, you know, the company is interviewing you to see whether you would be a good fit with their organization. At the same time, you should be vetting them and saying like, hey, do I like the guy who's going to be my boss? Yeah. Do I like the company culture? Do I believe in the product? Do I, you know, am I willing to accept the salary that they're willing to give? Will it fulfill me, you know, emotionally? You know, will I like assuming the job? Have, assuming you have the choice. Yeah, that's where but, I'm yeah. going. Yeah. Um, so it's, but you're, you're vetting them as well. Even if you don't have a choice, if you go into Wawa and McDonald's and other, you know, uh, jobs like that. McJobs. Yeah. 
you're going you're still vetting them like yeah. does wawa have a retirement <clears throat> package do they have health benefits do they have whatever for whatever salary or hourly rate that they're offering is your shift manager a jerk yeah that's fair too yeah so yeah. that's my long-winded answer <laughs> okay but Back. non-committal but I still think I can no, do it reasonably it's, well. It's, I think, yeah, it's, okay. I, I like I like the defensive or offensive. Yeah, you know, I think that was that was well precisely more you, succinct. More you, thank you, thank you very much. Got any uh, got anything there, Mac? I see the duck is up. Oh yeah, the duck the is duck, up. I think the duck's been the, up there. The questioning duck. Right. Yeah, the question duck. Um, we so we've got a few things coming in from all over here. Um, so we have Dominic on uh, on the YouTube asking uh, or saying he wor- in uh, works in a shop. That has a lot of hairless, uh, exotic skins, gator, ostrich, etc. I thought he was talking about us. <laughs> wow. And has okay. made himself a sporn um, out of Cape Buffalo. Nice. You got to show those pets who's boss. <laughs> That's awesome. He was wondering what our thoughts are on hairless, exotic sporns. Um, there's certainly a precedent for it. I think basically people have been making sporns out of exotic materials ever since the British Empire expanded the places where those materials could be found. Lions and tigers and bears. Uh, yeah, all. lions and and boar and zebra and uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, boar is in Scotland, though, isn't it? Um, yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm like, uh, there's there's other Af- there's like an the African type of boar, wildebeest. Yeah. yeah, you know, fair to say that. But uh, so zebra. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it at, at all. I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, it comes down to, um, I think a lot of time keeping the design a little simpler, so you're showing off the the, the skin uh, and how cool the skin is. Um, I think if you have a lot of ornamentation on the sporn. I think you're more likely to see day sporns made out of exotics than dress sporns, is what I'm saying. Because if you're covering it with a whole bunch of ornamentation, then you're going to lose some of the effect. Or like some of the, uh, like, what's her face with the roadkill? Um, yeah, yes and no. She doesn't there's... always have tassels on her designs, you know what I mean? Yeah, and there's, uh, L&M used to have an earth range of sporns um, that was like crocodile, like a lot of faux skin, but, mm. you know, different animal skin, like different, like crocodile or... Uh, like stingray or like weird stuff, mm-hmm. um, exotic okay. things. Um, and that was, you could, they had it on hunting sporns and on dress sporns as well. And you just pair a cantle that's, well, a cool cantle with it. Um, and it still stands out. I mean, we still, okay. like in the shop, I'm just thinking to our experience, we sell a lot of leather dress sporns. Yeah. From an aspect of either the, the cantle's really cool or it's even the ones that aren't. It's just a, a plain kind that's of cantle. Kind, but with that's kind of what I'm dress. saying. I think, I think the more exotic the, the, the pelt or the skin, the more likely it is that you'd want to keep the ornamentation simple to kind of show it off. Yeah, but my point but is it's, it's a we, balance for leather dress leather dress sporins. Yeah, we sell very simple ones and very no, I shouldn't say exotic, but are, are like fighting stags one. Mm-hmm. They sell ornate. You know, yeah, ornate. They sell both reasonably well. So mm-hmm. I don't think the skin would affect that on a dress sporin. That mm-hmm. being said, I can see it more like you're alluding to on mm-hmm. a day sporn or on a hunting sporn. Yeah. I think, and I think the, there's other cool stuff too. Like um, if you do like a pin closure uh, with that skin, like uh, doing, using a claw <clears throat> or, or a piece of antler or a piece of bone or something as the pin closure could be kind of an, an awesome thing to do too. There's, there's a lot. It's, there's really no, it's not like there's rules about what you can and can't make a sporn out of. I mean, the design will be less, less formal or more formal. You know, less traditional or more from more traditional, but um, yeah, I think they're awesome. I, you know, I, the ray skins got me thinking. I think a ray skin or a shark skin could be kind of interesting. Ray skin is really tough. Yeah, yeah. Ray skin could be yeah. cool. I can say that. But 
Yeah, I, no, I, I want to see pictures of what he's doing <coughs> now. I want to see what he yeah. did. That's awesome. Indeed. Yeah, so keep it up. That's all I'm going to say. Keep it up. Yeah. yeah. Experiment, especially if you're making it yourself, try it, experiment, do different things, you know, mock it up, see what you like, and throw it out there. Get feedback from other people. Go yeah. to different kilt groups. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't establish if he was uh, making them just for his own enjoyment or if he was trying to sell them, but, if he, but I think there would be a market if you set up an Etsy store. You know, you could probably sell a few of them. Yeah. Make sure you're pricing your labor appropriately. That's and, the only well, thing. Well, the skins are going to be crazy expensive. Well, too, he might, he might have an in. Basically, he said he get where if he's there where he works, maybe he gets some at a good price. Are know. they alive or are they? <laughs> <laughs> they were at some point. I'm, I'm going to end this discussion before I go off the rails. Okay. 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 I hope that helps. Yeah, I want to see a picture. It sounds awesome. <coughs> All right, Mr. Uh-huh. Mack. All right, since we're on the spawns, um, we have. Where did it go? I don't know. We lost our sporn. I think I just rotated the screen too far. I do that voice too much. The quasi Kermit. My, my quasi Kermit. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Where did we go. It's one part Looney Tunes character, the um the the the, the stupid panther or the stupid uh, mountain lion character. Right. Yeah, I'm going to catch him and eat him. <laughs> that guy. You know. Fair. But got it? Yep, got it now. Okay. Found it. It's right in front of me. I just looked awesome. past it. We got a lot more flow coming into the interface I'm yes assuming. we do yeah, we got so, a lot more coming in right so, now thanks for your patience um especially with talk of new of uh rattlesnakes horns so why not um, with, the, with the rattles as the tassels sure we can, yeah. I would you, do have that. To, you have to have a pelt well i guess it's yeah if it's eight inches wide or seven and a half depends inches on the rattlesnake yeah, yeah i was yeah, gonna say itself. it should still be enough why that first circumference yeah. yeah okay anyway so we have eric on youtube asking does uh does a fancy sporn chain have value or is it just for show does a fancy sporn chain have value? Depends on the value. Maybe, you maybe put he on means it. meaning. Um, the there. No, it's just for show. It's it's yeah. really what you want to do. There are some that have meaning, there, like yeah. there are ones that like Masonic links or there's little thistle links or whatever. Um, but or uh, filigree links versus the regular plain, you know, uh, flat yeah. link chain. Yeah. So there's different types of chain. 99.999% of them are just going to be the standard flat link chain. Um, but yeah, you can do something different with your sporn chain within the bounds of good taste. Yeah, I think that um, it's it's if you want to craft one, then go for it. Have fun with it. If you're looking at purchasing one, then just make sure that if it has an insignia on it of some kind, make sure it's something that you, are, you don't mind representing. I mean, the most common one we see is the Masons have a... Uh, uh, a design of a sporn chain that has the little plackets with the, the Masonic uh, compass on it. Um, and uh, the, the thistle, like you mentioned, it's kind of extra bling for bagpipers a lot of time these days, like a pipe major might have something like that. Um, I've seen, uh, I think it goes at least back to the early 20th century, because but I'm not completely sure on that. I know that they were popular enough that I've seen them in, in some photos and stuff, but they're um, it's a little extra something-something. So there's no... It might have meaning, it might not. Shocker, in Highland wear, men try to one-up each other. Yeah, seriously. That would never happen. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah. say this, there's no yeah. technical advantage. It's not like more comfortable or more durable than a regular sporn chain or a sporn strap. Oop. So it's just a, it's just a little extra bling. And more money. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Or, in the case of people who just want to do it themselves, it's just more fun. It's a way to customize your outfit. For yourself. Yeah, I've done it. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Mr. Mack. All right, so we've got some questions coming in about are there any of this tartan? 
Um, we have Corporal Mac uh, asking, are there any Nordic or Scandinavian Tartans? And we just got one in on the YouTube as well from the Pseudo Piper asking if there are any German Tartans. Are there German Tartans? <laughs> um, <laughs> We're a little biased in this area. <clears throat> Who's got two thumbs and made two German Tartans? This guy. Um, sorry, that was horrible. The... Um, <laughs> Yeah, there there are different tartans for different uh, countries around the world. Yeah. Um, I believe there's a nor Nordic or there's I'm trying to think. Mac, is it the no, not the Northern Lights or uh, my brain's like kind of fried on that didn't, one? What's the what the Polish one? Isn't that same? there's a Polish one? Yeah, yeah I'm but not didn't that Nordic. same yeah. person do the International Tartans guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. he did a um, few Dave Yeah, there's there's a couple of, there's a couple of tartans out there based on national colors, you know, like like flag colors. But um, if uh, I'm just jumping in real quick, yeah. Um, if the question is, is there a Scandinavian tradition of tartans or tartans that came from Scandinavia? Um, no. Um, basically, we do think that they had uh, uh, they may have had an assemblance of plaid. Uh, type fabrics they may have intermingled their threads but um, most of the archaeological evidence so far is for solid color clothing not so much uh, <coughs> mixed mixed patterns like the Celts did um, I'm using the term Celts loosely just for all those who care um, but uh, so essentially yeah you can have Nordic ancestry like I do and you just go with tartans that you like or have some meaning for you um, I would say so this the German tartans though you, you'll look <coughs> out because because of Rocky's heritage he actually designed the two that he did so there isn't actually a, a documented, reg, uh, registered couple of different uh, German tartans. Yeah. Um, I've often said uh, tartan is Scotland's gift to the world. And once you open the tartan Pandora's box, it's difficult to put it back in. Um, we have customers all around the world. Scottish companies have customers all around the world. We're in the U.S. I am mostly German, and I started a freaking kilt company. It's once you get bitten by the tartan bug, so to speak, you just, you, you get obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier in, in the, you know, the, the history of the company, I decided that I wanted to wear a German kilt. And there is a German national um, that it was uh, designed by a guy named Eichelmann. Um, it's officially registered as Eichelmann number five. I got a kilt uh, custom woven for me in that tartan and didn't like it. It was too red black and gold or red black and yellow um so it never really i had it and i just never loved it Hmm. so after wearing it for you know six months a year whatever it was i decided that "Hmm, i'm going to try my hand at designing a german tartan as well so i designed uh german heritage as well as the german american tartans um so yeah it's you don't have to have scottish lineage to wear a kilt you don't have to just represent scotland wearing a kilt it will to you know 99.9% of the population it will scream scotland or it will right. scream celtic or gaelic right. it will not say norwegian or german it'll just say scotland to most people but it's all about the symbolism of what what it means to you and if you get in a discussion with them you can explain what the tartan is and what it means and why you're wearing it and that kind of thing and it just adds a little different dimension to the discussion let me uh let me uh segue a tiny bit here um First of all, you did use the uh, German flag colors still for your design. You just toned it down, right? I used two shades of red. I used, you know, the, the bold right. red as an accent stripe and then a like a darker blood red for the main color and then black. And then the gold was more of a muted yellow kind of 
gold you color. Kind of, you kind of made it, you toned it down so it was more had more depth to yeah. it. Is, is how I'd like to express it. I mean, it's just um, it's easy to use flag colors and and wind up with something that's kind of obnoxious because it's like Wah! you know bright primary colors, which leads to my segue. Um, one of our viewers on YouTube who goes by uh, Matazana Mafia Fedora um, was asking, what do you guys think of the so-called English kilt? Uh, this is the one that has the English flag <coughs> as the design on the fabric instead of being made out of tartan. And it's made by an English company. I think you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, you have thoughts on there, that? That's, that's an example of what we're talking about with flags. So what do you think? There, there's, a, uh, there's a few companies that make flag kilts to varying degree of flag. <laughs> um, <clears throat> there's a, uh, a, a Scottish company does the saltire in the pleats. So mm -hmm. each pleat is a different section of the saltire. When you move, it moves. Um, it's actually X. woven in the fabric. So you have an X on your butt. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. It's a target. Um, the, uh, so that is one way to do a flag kilt. And there are other companies who will take things much more literally um, where there's a not a kilt made out of a flag, but a kilt made out of flag elements. Um, where there's like a utility kilt with you know red and white stripes, and then a big you know blue field with stars as the front apron, or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's a bit on the nose. There's a uh, uh, a company in the UK, I think they're in London, called Skilt, um, and they do a lot of very avant-garde kind of kilt fabrics done in a pretty traditional <coughs> style just weird fabrics um and they have a union flag as a kilt um it's it's well done i don't know if i wear it no um that there in i'm i'm just stepping over the whole you know discussion you know of or <laughs> rat's nest discussion of flag etiquette and sitting on the flag or not wearing underwear underneath the flag and wiping things on the flag um I'm just going to sidestep that whole thing. Please. Um, you're welcome. You're welcome for even bringing it up that I'm going to sidestep it. <clears throat> and there's a uh, there's another company, uh, English English Kilt Co. English, or kilt, English kilt Company, kilt, yeah. 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 Um, they do a white kilt with a red uh, St. Uh, George. George's Cross, Cross of St. George. On the front with some like three embroidered or... The or, Plantagenet Lions. Or painted on uh, English Lions. It's yep. Yeah, it's not for me. It's it's a kind of it feels like it's something you'd have as a design for like a sweatshirt, like going to a, a, a soccer, sorry, yeah. a football match, and then you said, "Well, I don't want this as a sweatshirt. I'll make it into a kilt." Because like I imagine the design with the with the English flag and and the the lines and stuff up here on like whoa go you know, but then you let's put it <clears> on a kilt instead, and it just looks weird because again you've got this you got this these red crosshairs right over your junk, and it's just it's not aesthetic. It's just Okay, if I traveled back in time and had to wager, or if I traveled back in time and saw it, or had to wager how that came to be, I would say this. Picture in your head two or three fashion designers at New York's mm -hmm. Fashion Week, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. drunk, mm -hmm. discussing what they're going to do to one-up the Scots is make a kilt from the English flag and... I don't know. That's kind of how I envision that coming yeah, to I'm be. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's a kilt are cool, but I'm not comfortable wearing it because I'm English, not Scottish. But uh, maybe I can. You know, I'll, they're trying to sell it to those people. The people they're trying the, too hard with the, with yeah, everything they did. Hard. They yeah. tried too hard. They made a sporing way too on the nose with the 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 cantle on the dress sporing 
was actually castellated, where it, it like graduated up. It was just a very odd shape. It just it didn't work. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's it's definitely a fashion forward thing. It's the it's the do you, are you doing it the kilt as a fashion forward? I'm gonna put men in skirts, kind of you know be sexy, different, modern, or are you going to be traditional? And this is definitely in the former category. And some people do it well. There are plenty of contemporary modern kilts that are cool. I don't think flag kilts are cool at all. They're just I it's, don't know limited and, use. Like again, maybe <clears throat> maybe wear it to a to a football match or. Something, you can wear even it. Then, it's just you kinda, can wear it wherever. It's it's one of those things where thing. they're. I feel like they want to make a statement and Absolutely. have a strong, visceral thing. Yeah. And it's either you love it or you hate it. And it's to me, I think the best way I can sum it up why I don't like it is it's too on the nose. It's too on the nose. I agree. It's I could have made a flyers kilt with a big honking flyers logo right over the center. The I could have done you know just black and orange in a Rob Roy check where it's like a checkerboard and it's just black and orange. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but I didn't. I wanted to do something that looked traditional using those particular colors. Yeah. Um, it just speaks to the heritage aspect more and blending that with my normal sports fan well, I think, life. I, th I think it speaks to, to the accomplishment of tartan as an art form. You realize That's that fair. tartan is, is an accomplished art form for making this stuff so you're gonna build on that as opposed to just tearing it down and forgetting about it you know i think i i'm being a little i'm being a little bit sore <clears> yeah i, I don't apologize, think they're but... um in the case of like skilt i don't think that they're tearing it down and forgetting about it they're literally they make out of like you know upholstery fabric or curtains okay. or like okay. rose denim fabric like denim fabric with roses this is totally a it's an art to them to do something very so be, very uh, different uh, yeah so you can be uh Cock of the walk, as it were. Yeah, it's so you stand out in a crowd. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's it's different reasons for it, um, and yeah. I'm I'm assigning reasons and rationale and thought where there may be none or there may be some. I don't, I don't know. know. But it's it's all yeah, it's all about your style. So yeah. if you like them, if you don't like them, let us know. I'm curious to hear what people think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Mr. Mac. Since we're still on the discussion of tartans, um, we had one come in on the on YouTube. Asking, does Ireland have any historical tartans? Yeah. Yes. Depends on how far back you want to go. Yeah. <clears throat> the um, Tara Tartan is quasi-historical-esque. Mm -hmm. um, although, <clears throat> here's a question for you. Mac, you may know this. Don't answer yet. Let me ask Eric first. What tartan is the Tara Tartan based on? Meaning, it is literally another tartan. The thread <sighs> count is effectively the same. know this. You just tweak the colors. I used you know, to know this. Change red for green and blue for whatever and blah, blah, blah. And you have Tara slash Murphy. Yeah. And I can't remember for, for the life of me. Mac? Mac? You say the one that I'm wearing right now is very close to... Uh, Not going to look up your kill, I promise. Uh, I've got <laughs> the McLean Dwart. That is correct. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. Okay. I knew it was Mac something. Now the... Mac Michael, but the other, uh, the other, um, uh, more historic uh, Irish tartan is uh, Ulster. Ulster, yep. Which was found. Uh, the sample was found in a trunk in an attic, as I recall. Right. It was a. And it was a. They think. It, sure. Yeah. It's a. They, they, it's a garment that they think was uh, dates back to like maybe the 18th century. But uh, it's either that or uh, there was another one. I thought. I thought that they found Ulster 
in a bog or something, I, which is I no. see that's what I remember was that story, uh, and that's was, why there's like three different versions of it. Yeah, this is where the, the okay, history well, of it gets so muddy. That it's, I think that's yeah, something else. I think this was I what I'm remembering was it was found in somebody's house, and they thought it was like uh, a uh, a remnant of one of the original uh, Ulster Scots, one of the original colonizing it, families. It was a pair of trues, right? It might have been a pair of trues. Yeah, and they I found think, it in, don't in, in this people's uh, you know like in an old family footlocker yeah and and oh wow it's the ulcer tartan now um so that's what i remember but i like fact checking because there's a lot of information i so, get confused from what i'm seeing the ulcer tartan is an interpret interpretation of a fabric dug out in 1956 from an earth bank on a farm okay in the town of flanders okay then does it say anything about the 1960s in there because for some reason the, the version of the story i'm hearing in my head that's something with being found in the 1960s. Thank you for the Googles. And thank God we were able to fact check things quickly. Yeah. Well, Mr. Mac. I'd try to follow up on it afterwards. But. Yeah, no, we would have edited it um, or made, a, made other, ourselves. The, the garment, they think, was uh, was trues in a tunic. So that's where the trues okay. come in, the play. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I knew it was trues. The, it's, yeah, but with this, with this kind of goes to the point where even as much stuff as we know, or, you know, there's always different stories out there for different things so we try to be as accurate and factual as possible and if we don't if know 100 percent yeah. that i'm 100 percent correct we'll always say that in the videos we don't want to be you know just throwing out false data if we don't know we'll tell you we'll yeah. tell you we don't know um the uh and insert irish lecture a um irish kilts basically go back to the turn of the 19th to the 20th century they were an outgrowth of the various national movements, especially the uh, uh, the uh, uh, the Gaelic Athletic Association um, and um, Saint Enda's School. No, Saint, yes, Saint Enda's School. Yeah. Um, it was the first uh, indication of them was that uh, people were using them as part of uh, uh, sport team stuff with the Gaelic uh, sports, and then um, Enda's did it as a school uniform. Um, the idea was they were trying to get away from English stuff and uh, arrive at a national identifier kind of garb. And even though, you know, they weren't trying to say they were Scottish, they were trying to say, well, this is closer to a separate identity than if we keep wearing trousers. So they kind of invented the idea of wearing kilts, but they made them solid colors. So they had uh, blue for St. Patrick and they had green uh, for Ireland in general. And then they had saffron because saffron is said to be... Um, a, uh, a popular dye for uh, Lenya and other garments in medieval Ireland is considered to be the color of the kings because saffron isn't necessarily cheap. So they uh, started off with those three colors and then tartans came in later. So the history of Irish tartans is actually very recent. The history of Irish kilting in general basically goes back to the nationalists around the turn of the century. Yeah, the Ulster tartan is the oldest Irish tartan the, but it's only Irish because it was found in Ireland. Correct. Frankly speaking, it probably came from Scotland. And then they just called right, it likely. that one because it was a fashion-y kind of tartan. Yeah. And it's been, was just it found. was glommed onto by the Ulster Scots. So if you are yes. a, if you are not an Ulster Scot, if you're not an Ulsterman or an Orangeman, you may not want to be, you might not be as interested in it. I wasn't even aware of that much, so. Yeah, I think it's more of a... <clears throat> no, but the, the Irish County Tartans, which are what are much, much more common today... Only go back to 1995 with Polly Wittering and the House of Edgar designing all those um, and the Irish National Tartan. 
Um, so yeah, Irish tartans traditionally aren't very, very old. Mm -hmm. Um, there's also several Irish name tartans like Kirkpatrick, Ford, a few others, um, Fitzpatrick, but those are again around the mid nineties when Braveheart came out and there was the explosion of people really wanting to wear kilts and explore their Celtic ancestry and their, you know, Gaelic heritage and all that kind of stuff. They jumped into it. And all the mills in Scotland kind of got the bright idea and smart idea of, okay, how do we tie this in? So several mills started doing, okay, we're going to do the Irish, uh, a few different Irish names right. like the Scots have. That never really caught on. La Caron specifically did the Irish provinces, the four provinces of, of Ireland. Mm -hmm. And that caught on with very, very limited appeal. Um, the one that really stuck was House of Edgar's Irish County Tartans, and those are still probably by far the most popular today. And they're still. beautiful. I, I, yeah. I would, I, at, at the risk of being simplistic, I'd say they, they do feel Irish. They have a they have a certain warmth to them, yeah. uh, a certain earthiness to most of the designs, which is just it, it feels right. So I think they I think they did nail it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But so hopefully that answers the question. Yep. Shaggy dog. <clears throat> give, me a, give me a shaggy dog graphic, Coraline. Can you make a shaggy dog graphic, please? Right now, quick, insert it, Mac. All right, so we have Matthew on uh, on Facebook. He's asking, and it's a historical question, but it's it's one that I think we've seen pop up on different occasions because um, some people may have the wrong opinion or the right opinion on this. But for Blackwatch Tartan, mm. uh, have you heard there being any negative feelings um, if, if since as they fought against the Jacobites? Or are there any other tartans that might might raise some uh, uh, similar negative opinion? Students are concerned about he purchases one, he doesn't want to be caught yeah. in crossfire. That yeah, he's not necessarily right. part of. Understood. Right, right. Um, not. I would say this uh, respectfully. That's an American view on it. Period. Um, Americans are much more concerned about doing it right or not offending somebody or whatever than the Scots or the Irish or the, the Brits in general, you know, are. Um, it's it's just, it is what it is. There's no hard feelings per se. We've gone into this a little bit. I talked yeah. to a few people um, who are either Irish or from Ireland who now live in Scotland um, about, hey, what are your feelings on wearing the Black Watch tartan, you know, in Ireland kind of thing. And their response was, yeah, it's not a thing. That wasn't an issue yeah. Period. You're looked at as Scottish if you're wearing a black watch tartan in Ireland. What they see is a kilt. Yeah. They don't see the... We are, as Americans, um, not we, but in the, in the general, we are associating more meaning to certain things than Scots would. Um, we are associating less meaning to certain things than Scots would. Uh -huh. um, it's just different cultures. You're not growing up <clears throat> in it. I didn't grow up in it. Eric didn't grow up in it. Yeah. Um, so we had to learn all of this stuff. But it's not, it's not how it is viewed. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stock in offending someone wearing the black watch tartan or wearing a tartan that's going to offend someone outside of either military tartans or tartans that are associated with a certain group, Masonic tartan, things like that, where members of that group, if they're diehard Masons or diehard law enforcement, and, you know, you shouldn't be wearing that because you're not a police officer, you're not a Mason, that kind of thing. But in general, there's none that are going to have that, you know, that amount of meaning. 
and most people who aren't a police officer, who aren't a mason, who aren't, you know, insert group X here, are not, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other tartans to wear, so just pick a different one. I would say the slight exception would be that some people do bear uh, grudges either quasi-seriously or just kind of good-natured ribbing uh, against the Campbells. Um, Park Campbell here, by the way. And, uh, yeah, I know. I know. Now I can't be on the show anymore. Um, And Blackwatch, of course, is a tartan associated with the Campbells, Campbell Tartan. And so sometimes you'll get that, you know, oh, you dirty Campbell kind of a thing. But it's also so generic, Blackwatch is. It's not really a thing. Um, I would say consider a different tartan just for the sake of doing something that is a little more interesting. You know, a little more exciting. A little less uh, wedding rental. To use my other phrase, Hmm. it's not a thing. Don't make it a thing. Don't make it a thing. It's not a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, if your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather died at Glencoe, then, yeah, maybe it's a thing for you, but, you know. Fair. Yeah. But for the most part, you're fine. Mr. Mack. All right. So we have Carl asking. Um, hey, Carl. And this is on, this is on Facebook. Cool. Uh, asking a question on the stone on the brooch or fly. The stone on the brooch for the, for the fly or a skin do, should it have a color that, that matches in the tartan? Because um, he is one that's purple, and it's for his, his, his first stone, um, but he doesn't have that color in the kilt. So is this something <clears> that should be matchy matchy or not matchy matchy? Carl, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you, sir? It doesn't matter at all. Um, nah. Pick the color that either is your first stone. Pick the color that your wife likes the best. Pick a color that matches your kilt. Pick a color that doesn't match your kilt. Pick one with no stone. It doesn't matter. Right. That is strictly personal preference. Right. Um, Traditionally speaking, you'll be Cairngorm or something like that, where it's going to be a yellow stone found in the Cairngorm Mountains. Um, 99.9% of skin dues are not going to have a authentic Cairngorm stone because that would be way too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so just wear the color you like. There's no yeah. hard and fast rule of what's acceptable or not. Yeah, and uh, we, we tend to be more matchy-matchy with colors and things in this country than they do in Scotland with this stuff or really in a lot of Europe in general. Um, in fact, a lot of the rest of the world <laughs> don't worry about color matching quite the same way or don't view it quite the same way we do in this country. So, yeah, I mean, if that has personal meaning for you, then that would be all the more reason to stick with it um, and not worry about it. And, yeah, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit, which is cool. Um, the only really traditional stone for a skin do would be something like Cairngorm, uh, which is basically quartzite, which was originally mined out of the Cairngorm area. Um, it was a native stone, and surprise, surprise, it was not a valuable stone it was just what was available um you know you didn't have like uh, people importing rubies into the highlands in the 17th 18th century so um it's it's really all about just what the meaning is for you you know agreed if your wife says oh my god that's so tacky then maybe you change it for that reason but what accent was that i don't know i think it was monty python there's a penguin on the telly i think it was yeah i think it was a monty python Insert penguin clip art right there. Exactly. There's a <laughs> penguin <laughs> on the telly. Yeah. You don't know that sketch? No. No. He's See, not, I liked, he's not I liked, a python. No, I liked python movies. I liked limited amount of the show sketches. The parrot sketch, obviously, hands down, the best yep. TV show sketch. Mm-hmm. The rest of it, I was not that big of a fan. Okay. Fair enough. Sorry. That's all right. No, you don't have to apologize. It's okay. It's all right. Moving on. Did I hurt you? No. Okay, fine. Now I'm going to hear about it later. 
You're sleeping on the couch. Um, go ahead, Mac. <coughs> All right. So we have Matt uh, asking why. First, he starts off with uh, thanks. Thank you to Rocky for answering his question. He had sent us in this morning. Um, this is the first time wearing a kilt formally, and that's tonight. Cool. Would you <coughs> recommend wearing a narrow bow tie with his PC or go with a wider? And he also follows it up with how much of the flashes should be shown below the kilt hose? Um, how much flashes should be shown below the bottom of the kilt hose? I would say not a ton, but it also depends on how tall you are. That's a weird segue. If you are taller, your kilt hose may not be able to go up as high and then fold back down as much. Right. Um, or if you do fold down as much, it may be further down on your leg. So it's like mid calf versus up a little bit higher on the calf. Um, so it's generally when I wear my flashes, I'll have two inches maybe showing out the bottom and the, the, the garters and the top of the uh, flashes are tucked up underneath the cuff. But it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of what looks good and you, you kind of develop an eye for it the more you wear the kilt. Um, for the bow tie itself, it's, again, there's no right or wrong answer. There's probably different fashion-y type stuff with a skinnier bow tie, yeah, yeah. more popular at one time period, and a fatter bow tie <coughs> being popular, or a bolo tie. Exactly. Don't. No. Um, joking. Okay. <clears throat> the, uh, but it's the, the, the bow tie itself has a little bit less to do with it and more to do with dare I say current fashion trends yeah. than the flashes. Absolutely. So. It absolutely does. I mean, when I see a ultra skinny, uh, you know, bow tie, I think 1960s, you know, or yeah. maybe fifties. I also think ska. Um, when I see a, uh, a really fat bow tie, I think 1970s, you know, and fluffy textures going to the prom. So, uh, but that's one of those areas where fashion will come and go. Just go with whatever you think looks good. Um, yeah. the beauty of the kilt, as we've said before, is that it has been able to adapt to whatever trends in men's fashion are at the time. The kilt remains the same, and yet it blends with whatever the current trends are. Um, we've kind of gotten to a point where we have very traditional style jackets and things, but they're an option. They're not necessarily a necessity, except for the length. Um, so if the ties this decade happen to be wider ties, then there's nothing wrong with having a wider tie. Uh, it, it just it varies. You know, if you look at historical photographs through the 20th century, you'll see those subtle differences coming in. Um, we tend to stress the more timeless, middle of the road options, so you don't have to worry about being fashionable or not fashionable, and so that you are very definitely giving attention to the traditional aspects of the outfit, like the kilt, like the sporn, and everything else, just kind of as background. Um, but if you happen to like how, the way a certain tie looks, there's nothing wrong with going with it. How's that for a succinct shaggy dog? Reasonably six inches. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. I was going to jump in with timeless, but you, you covered timeless? it. Timeless, yeah. And just to kind of also follow up, we've had this question pop up a few times. Well, how how high should the kilt hose be? If I'm putting mm. flashes on there, flashes would stick out this far. Well, how Fair. high should the hose be? I think I put that question on my the, list, actually. Yeah. Um, my rule of thumb is about three fingers breadth below the bottom of your kneecap. So when you're sitting down, tying your shoe, you're putting your hose on, tying your shoe, take your, your index finger and tuck that underneath the bottom of your kneecap, and then the bottom of your ring finger should be about the top of the hose, so about that far in between, and your kilt should come to about mid-knee. That way you have about four inches or so of skin showing. Mm -hmm. A kilt is not meant to come down and overlap or touch the top of the kilt hose. You'll want to see some knee. Um, so I would say make sure the kilt is at the right height, 
and make sure your hose are no, they're, they're not supposed to touch the bottom of your kneecap and your kilt's not supposed to go down to your calf. It's supposed to be a little bit of separation between the two. Um, one extra tidbit, since we're talking about hose and flashes, why don't you describe where the flashes should sit on the leg? That's a very around, good question. Around the side of the leg. <clears throat> the um, uh, flashes are the flag things that, you know, the garters hold on and help hold your socks up. Those hang down from underneath the cuff on your kilt hose. So the ribbons attached to the garter. Correct. Basically. Yeah. Yes. Ribbons. I always use the word flag and I don't like that. Ribbons. Yeah, no. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so military regs for the British military is that the front leading edge would be basically on your right leg would be the center of your shin bone. And then going, if you consider that 12 o'clock going around to about two o'clock two thirty o'clock right. is where the range would be. Some guys wear their kilt hose square on the side of their body. So it goes from like two o'clock to four o'clock kind of in that range. Um, or those are really the only two acceptable ways there's no, the, you're not wrong wearing it on the side of your body if you're not military regulations. But over the years and just through kind of usage and through my own life, I've kind of ended up with them a little bit more towards yeah. the front of the shin to the side. I think it actually looks better. Yeah. Um, you don't want them going out the back. They're not like flags on the back of your Harley. Um, you don't put one on the outside, one on the inside. Right. right. You don't. They didn't give you two of those ribbons, so you can put one on the inside of your leg and one on the outside of your leg. Um, some people think that, but, uh, that's not, that's not what it is. You're not, uh, who's the, you're not Mercury with your little wings making you fly. <laughs> that's what that always makes you think of. The winged helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. All about flashes. Indeed. Yeah. Cool. Succinct. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So we have, Mac. we have David on YouTube and, hey, David. and I, David? I know, I know I've had, I've done this. What is your opinion on wearing a flannel? With a kilt. Like, I've had flannel shirts that I've worn with my kilt. That was the day I almost fired Mac. Hey, I wasn't, he wore a it, wasn't a, it wasn't a Hawaiian a shirt, kilt. so. Oh, uh, uh, that was a day. Were you drinking that morning or what? <laughs> now, by flannel, <clears throat> I'm going to assume we're talking about a plaid flannel. Yeah. There's obviously would be nothing fair. wrong That's with fair. a solid color flannel. I have a few, and I've worn them with kilts. Solid color. Fine. Herringbone even, you know, like kind of subtle pattern kind of yeah. a thing or, or, or marled thread, you know? Yeah. But a plaid flannel with your tartan kilt. What happens if it's a solid color kilt and the, the tartan, there's the tartan on the Oh, shirt. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it then. If it's a solid color, I just don't, I just don't think you want, you know, that the two competing. I think a solid color kilt with tartan is fine. I've done that with, I have a solid color kilt and I'll wear a tartan tie with it. You know what I mean? As an alternative, but. Rocky's head's going to explode. Do, do you also wear, <laughs> do you also wear the clown shoes with this outfit? <laughs> the, 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 um, I see what you mean by it. It's not compete on a very, very simple level, a solid color kilt with a plaid flannel shirt. They're not competing patterns. So long right. as the colors aren't horrible. I would still yeah. twitch a little bit. I think most solid color um, kilts are dark, so I know like black kilt and a red. I'm allowed black. my opinion, sir. Okay, okay, go ahead. Finish, finish your thought. The uh, it's it's not something I would do. Um, if it's a, I would say this: if it is a utility kilt, right? Then maybe 
because it's not supposed to be traditional leaning by any stretch. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. Mm -hmm. If it is a max kilt solid color kilt, which is a traditional eight yard solid black kilt, <sighs> Mac makes it work. Um, <laughs> I, I have no problem if you're if it's casual you, wear. If you think you look good, you look good. Yeah. Right. I, I think if it's a solid solid black kilt, no problem. As if long as you bought it from us, you're fine. Yeah. The no. It's <laughs> the yeah, it's not my it's not my taste. If it is a tartan kilt, getting directly to their question. Right. If it is a tartan right. kilt right. with a tartan plaid whatever shirt. No. no don't no. do it. Even if it's the same tartan, it's gonna look like okay, let's go two ways. <clears throat> best case scenario it's the same tartan and the colors are damn close oh. the set size is probably going to wrong, be wrong oh. and it's going to look like you're wearing a jumper like a, a little kid's jump a little girl's jumper it's going to look weird it's it's never going to look quite right there's going to be something off it's going to look like you're trying too hard if it is a different tartan just no just no <laughs> put the flannel shirt down and wait, step away. Okay, wait, wait. How about this? Oh, no. How about this? I don't want to see the graphics she's going to put in this for afterwards. <laughs> okay. How about a weathered or muted tartan kilt? Like uh, like uh, a hunting tartan. Okay. With real tree. You know what real tree is, right? Camo, yeah. <sighs> no, just, think, just stop. Would you do that? Stop. What tartan would you pair with real tree? If your job depended on it. <laughs> See, I've always I've said about this before too about doing a hunting sporn, but with camo. Yes. With yes. with the orange. Yep. Leather. And I've said you should do it. I've said you should totally do it. Safety we orange sporn. Yep. You can redneck this, this all too up. seriously. Yep. Uh, too yep. literally. <laughs> I would put shotgun shell holders on the sporn chain. There we go. Yep. Yep. I would, for the record, I would steal that little sporn. And wear it with my flyers gear. There you go. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, then you, now you gotta do it. It's gonna do double duty. Yeah. There you go. No, don't, don't. But again, Please. it's okay. One last thing, just to leaven the loaf on that. It's obviously context. If that's your warm shirt, you're going out to split wood. Who cares? If you're going out on a date, if you're going out into town, don't. Is that fair to say? If you're only going <laughs> to be offending, it's as fair the to say as this. If you're going out to split wood. <laughs> All, and, the, all the squirrels are going to go blind. And, and there's a tragic accident. <laughs> and that is your ghost outfit that you are forced to wear <laughs> for eternity, eternity and roam the earth. <laughs> and a plaid shirt and a different tart guilt. I pity you, man. <laughs> Best question ever. Okay. I got to get the water out when I ask this. Next. <laughs> Please, next. <laughs> Deliver us from this hell, Mac. All right, since we're talking about wearing things, oh, man. Um, we have Bernard on, uh, on, on the Facebook asking, what style of shirt would you wear with the sheriff mirror? Um, Mr. Dandy? Okay, my understanding is um, uh, with the sheriff mirror, scanning memory banks. Waistcoat on a sheriff mirror is high-colored or not high-colored. It's the straight collar and it like the, yeah. the stand up collar with the, the, the jacket thing? has the stand up collar too. Yeah. yeah. Um, the most traditional way that people designed that outfit is to wear it with a jabot, which is the lace ruffles. They were supposed to mimic the, uh, the kind of neckerchief thing that people wore uh, 18th and early 19th century. Um, if you're not going to do that, that's fine. 
Uh, you can wear other shirts and other ties. I've seen it worn with like a ruche tie. I've even seen it worn with a necktie. I think a bow tie would look absolutely stupid. Um, but uh, usually what I've said before is um, a banded collar shirt is actually best um, because of the, the nature of how things are put together on that outfit um, or a wing collar, uh, sorry, a wingtip shirt. Wing collar. Yeah. Um, Wingtips uh, are shoes. Right. Uh, wing collar shirt, not a turn down collar shirt is what I would do. Um, typically, again, you're kind of, it's a retro fashion. So a banded collar shirt is similar to the collarless shirts that would, or shirts that would be coming up really high and then you'd have the neckerchief wrapped around it. Um, so that's how I would play it. I would, I don't, I think a regular dress shirt would look odd and it'd be hard for the collar to have a place to go. The Sheriff Mirror has the, I'm, I'm mixing up Sheriff Mirror and Kim Moore and right and now I am too. The, I blame the shortbread. Is, is that the one that it buttons all the, effectively buttons all the way up? It's like a doublet. Sheriff Mirror. No, Sheriff Mirror has a, has a button. Kenmore, Kenmore is more Kenmore like a doublet. doublet. Okay. Montrose is the bib. <clears throat> And then Sheriff Muir is a waistcoat and a jacket, Got but it. they both have a standing collar, or yeah. the or at least the waistcoat comes up very, very high. See, very, I was very tight closure, if I'm not mistaken. I was thinking Kenmore doublet or the or the or the uh, what was the other one Montrose Montrose, and like you could actually probably get away because they close all the way up with not wearing any shirt. Yes, um, then assuming you're never going to open your shirt, but then you have no cuffs. Either. Well, but. well then that could be your Chippendale outfit. <laughs> God. Now I'm picturing I'm Eric guy. as a Chippendale ripping off the Montrose doublet with just the lace. We already arm. did that Photoshop once. Is the topless no, Photoshop no, no. treatment has been done once already. And we're not doing that again. Um, so is it like Chris Farley and Patrick Swayze? The Seven Night Laugh skit with the never seen it. Sorry, oh. but uh, yeah. So seriously, um, a banded collar shirt um, would be my go-to, or a, uh, a wingtip. Sorry, wing collar shirt like you'd have with a tuxedo. Um, but yeah, you don't have to have any kind of shirt that's going to have any decoration to it or any style to it at all if you're keeping something like a Montrose doublet or a Kenmore doublet closed completely all the time. Um, but yeah, that's in a nutshell. Sure. I think I've had too much whiskey and too much shortbread because I don't feel very focused at the moment. <laughs> Not my best answer. Drink more of your uh, okay. coffee. Okay. okay. Indeed. Yep. Let's do one of the preloaded. Sure, let's do that. Just so we can keep okay. cycling through those. Sure, sure, sure. <clears throat> we have people that submit questions uh, pre-show and questions we haven't gotten to from previous shows. Mm -hmm. So we try to cycle through some of those as well just to make sure we're getting to everyone's questions. Okay. <clears throat> um, YouTube viewer, uh, his handle is AlohaKoa. Aloha. Uh, AlohaKoa59. Uh, he says he was recently in Scotland and when he was there, he was told that traditionally to find your tartan, you trace your mother's line. And he's wondering if that's true. So, I think we know the answer to this one. Negatory mm -hmm. Ghost Rider? No. <clears throat> um, either, my brain goes a couple different ways on it. Um, no, you go through your paternal line, traditional, traditionally speaking. Um, either the, the person he spoke to said paternal, and he mixed up maternal and paternal, or he was in a store, if I'm going to go to the, the nefarious, you know, salesman kind of answer hmm. he was in a store and he said well my my dad wasn't scottish my mom was a steward oh yes well you go through the maternal line of course <laughs> here's a steward killed by that one um maybe that would have happened or as i said mixed up maternal and paternal or you misheard it or you misremembered um but no traditionally it's through the the father's line yeah you kind of have to watch the 
sources uh, for information with all this stuff. Um, but you're especially going to be at risk if you were taking something that a owner of a tourist shop uh, tells you. Um, yeah. But we're I'm not, honest about We're stuff. not a tourist shop. Well, not, we're not, we're not a tartan tat shop. No, we're yeah. Kilt Mecca. We're Kilt Mecca. We are Kilt, Kilt Mecca. Mecca. Yes. Uh, but seriously, you know, you have, you. It, not everybody is completely well-informed. Not everybody is accurate. And some places just want to sell you stuff. So they're not going to, they're going to tell you what they think you want to hear in order to close the sale. So always do your homework before you go shopping. Just as a general rule of thumb. Yep. We don't care about closing sales. We care about being right. Period. <laughs> yeah, right. And adding, well, no, we care no, about we closing do. sales, we do. but we care about giving value to them and right. being right historically and because we're putting it on wax. I mean, it's out there. Yeah. And if, if we're wrong, we're going to get called out on it and yeah. right. bring it. Right. <laughs> and the more people know, the more secure the culture is and the more culture, secure the culture is, the more likely people want to buy kilt from us. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Want to go back to Mac or should I Sure. Do okay. Mr. Mac. All right. So we have Bob on YouTube asking, what's the significance of the three tassels on a sporn? Three tassels on a sporn. Uh, <clears throat> can't wait to hear this one. No, it's basically, it's a, uh, a throwback, a callback. A lot of things in, in, in Highland wear, whether it's, uh, uh, What's it called? Highland shirts, Jacobite shirt kind of thing. Whether it's Gilly Brogues, whether it's the three tassels and the sporn, a lot of it is a callback, whether it's the fly plate. It's a callback to an older thing within the same Highland wear genre. So original sporins were really just belt pouches. They would go on the belt and it would be a bag with a flap over top. So the bag would have two drawstrings, which you would yank out to the sides and that would close the bag. And then you'd have one flap that would go down in the front then you'd have a little string that would go around a decoration a stag horn or something on the flap and that would keep the flap closed so whatever you have in your sporn your oats your your smokes your 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 keys your, <laughs> yeah whatever um would stay secure in the bag so with the the two drawstrings out the side and the one down your and down the front you end up with three strings or three tassel-y kind of looking things yeah. on a sporn so the three tassels on this one are kind of a throwback to that. Um, it's a nod to that, if you will. So there's really not a lot to it. Um, it's just a traditional thing. It's kind of a holdover from the original sporns. Yeah. Sporns today, you'll start to see some without tassels at all. You'll see Welsh sporns with two tassels. There's different incarnations of things now that, you know, technology, sporin technology has evolved. Um, but it's just really a throwback to that. Purely, purely decorative at this point. Yep. Um, they that's look a, pretty. And I, my old story was that uh, I, I, I'd, uh, I'd tease people saying that there are three sporins to represent your loyalty to clan, kingdom, and country. And then if you're Irish, you only have two spassels, two uh, tassels because you acknowledge no king. And that's an example of the BS that you have to watch out for. So again, do your homework before you go shopping. Um, it's yeah, it's really just it's a survival of a practical thing, just like the laces on Gilly Brogues are symbolic now that represent the laces that they had on their shoes to keep their shoes from getting stuck in the mud back in the old times pre-good paved roads. So it's exactly the same kind of thing. It's a, it's a very simple element which has some uh, memory imbued into it. Is that a good way of saying it? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Lovely. Succinct. If anybody tells you different, they're lying. Pretty much. Yeah. Mr. Mac. All right. So we have... 
this is this is a good thing. Uh, Brian on YouTube is uh, is asking, uh, and this this goes for any any gift giving time. Um, any suggestions for accessories for his wife to wear that would complement his kilt? Uh, not to, but not to overpower the fact that he's wearing a kilt. Sure, um, sash. You could um, that could be complementary to the kilt if she wants to wear it in your tartan. If she has her own clan, or if she is Scottish, yeah. um, or if she is German and wants to wear the German tartan, you can do that as well. Um, you can give her a looking booth brooch. A looking booth brooch has a lot of symbolism kind of baked into it. Yep. Uh, in layman's terms, it's the Scottish version of the clada. Um, so you can give her a looking booth brooch, which she could wear, um, which you know symbolizes your love for her and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So there are a few different things. Um, you can give her your clan brooch. If you have a clan crest cap badge for your particular clan, you can give her that showing her that you're, you know, she's part of your family. She's, you know, she's in, she's in your family now and, you know, she's under the protection of your clan and whatever. Um, so those are a few suggestions yeah. I have. Anything? Or, or, yeah, pretty much that. Or again, her, her clan stuff, if she has Scottish heritage, um, this is all stuff which is safe because you're not getting into measuring her. Um, if she's really into building a traditional outfit, then you could look at getting uh, a kilted skirt for her. But don't try to make that a surprise. That's a bad idea. Um, see if it's something she wants to build for her own personal expression and then treat her to, so to say, um, hey, let's do this for you, honey. This is going to be awesome. And make sure you get the measurements right and make sure you get the tartan right and all that kind of stuff. Um, the uh, There's not nearly as many conventions with women's traditional dress as there is with men's. Um, so there's all kinds of stuff she could do that could be fun depending on where you're going out to. Uh, but the most typical way of showing off uh, your heritage in female garb is the sash, sometimes with a rosette. Um, a lot of time the rosettes are made at home. Um, some people sell them, some people don't. Um, then the, uh, the clan jewelry. Yep. Uh, pendants are easy. <clears throat> there's there's looking booth pendants out there and uh, can't go wrong with a thistle. You know, or uh, there's the heather jewelry, which is kind of cool. Some people like that, where they've taken heather from places like Culloden and they've pressed it into resin, so it makes a kind of a sort of a stone-like effect. Um, I don't think they've collected a... it from Culloden. That would probably go against the uh... okay. So it's just but yeah. Scottish heather. Yeah, yeah, Scottish heather. Okay, okay. Yes. Um, it's uh, think about what her personality is like and what her dress style is like. There's any number of different accessories out there on the market that would look nice, and then you throw in some clan tartan and you're good to go. Worst case scenario, if you're not sure, get her a gift kit, get her a gift certificate or something yeah. like that to a, you know, a kill company that, <laughs> that you know and trust. Right. Um, no, but get her something that she is going to be able to pick it out herself. If you're worried about it, jewelry where one size fits all things are good, period. If, you know, check the company's um, return, you know, uh, policies and that kind of stuff as well to make sure if she doesn't like the big dangly thistle earrings that stab her in the neck maybe she wants something a little bit smaller um right. or if she says you know you get her a tartan to match yours and she says oh, i really wanted my own make sure that the company will take it back or just get her a gift card that we don't have to worry about screwing it up yeah basically yep mr mac all right we have sean on uh, on facebook asking <clears throat> actually stop bum, bum, bum. pause before you get to sean's question okay sorry sean Remember, boys and girls, yep. in about 20 minutes or so, we are going to debut the Tartan Show, or what's it, what's it called? Tartan Challenge. The Tartan Challenge. It has yes. a name, but I'm not going to reveal the name. Okay. Um, yes. So, at around 4.45, we're 
we're going to show me and Max competition, naming all the tartans. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. That's going to be coming up very shortly. Back to you, Mac. Hey, you beat me to it. I was going to do it at, uh, at 4.30. We should have done it at 4 o'clock. Nah, eh, it's all right. You I sent a message out a little bit ago, so... There you go. Thank Look you, at sir. you. Thank you, Mac. Yeah. Look Thanks. at we're you. We're on it back He's here. He's on it. Nice. At least we act like we know what we're doing back here. Yep. It's a good thing you got that glass window that we mm-hmm. can't actually throw exactly. things at you. Yeah. All right. Max so actually in a separate building entirely. Yeah. yeah. The bunker. Yeah. Down in the garage. All right. Try again. All right. Sean. Uh, <laughs> good old yeah. Sean. There we go. What did Sean, Sean say? He's, uh, he says, hey, guys, if I'm wearing a dark stork PV kilt, uh, what accessories should I wear with a Jacobite shirt? What kilt hose? Would go would go would go along as well. You said dark Stuart. You mean like Stuart Black? I'm guessing Stuart Black. Probably Stuart Black. Would okay. be my assumption. Okay. Um, if it's Stuart Black, you got lots of color options. Yeah. Um, it, my general advice for for a kilt hose color or kilt hose style is um, if it's a Highland shirt, I'd say the cotton kilt hose are good. Um, the really any of them. It's not. Yeah. That. That. I don't know. It's it's not so extreme that, you know, you must wear only hand-knit hose or something like that. Um, <clears throat> color-wise, I typically tell people to do one of two things. Either A, match your kilt hose to your top. So if you're wearing black hose and a black top, that's fine. Then the kilt kind of stands out in the middle on its own. If you're wearing a, uh, a brown top and you cannot match the hose to the top, then I would match the hose or tone the hose to one of the colors in the kilt to kind of blend them with the kilt. Yeah. Um, in the case of uh, Black Stuart, I would wear black charcoal. Um, I tend to personally shy away from cream hose. They look a bit stark for such a such a contrast with a kilt. Um, any any thoughts? Cream hose. Don't like cream hose. You snob. Yeah, I am. I'm a horrible snob. Don't like cream hose. Um, yeah, I would kind of ignore the shirt. Uh, just go with the colors in the tartan and uh, stick with that for, for, like you said, for matching. Um, I think charcoal is great. I like uh, charcoal because I'm like, obviously I'm a guy who has multiple kilts, so charcoal is nice and neutral, goes with everything, um, doesn't ever show dirt, you know, looks kind of natural a little bit. So uh, that would be my first go-to if you're really not sure. Um, he didn't say what kind of event he was wearing this to, but so I'm just going to guess it could be a fair, it could be uh, a I'm concert, casual, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, just casual. So... Um, for flashes, I would, if you're, you could either go with a tartan flashes, um, or you go with traditional red because that's a classic military style, which is kind of become universal or again, pick out a color that's an accent color in the tartan with uh, Stuart black. There's several to choose from. Any of them would be fine. So I would consider my first blush would be to do charcoal hose and then red flashes or green flashes, something like that. Bottle green. Yeah. yeah bottle green. Just keep it, keep it simple like that. Yep. Um, yeah. Now, if you're talking about a historical impression of some kind, then feel free to elaborate, and we can talk about that too. But um, in this case, I wouldn't worry about the shirt. You know, I'm assuming it's not like a plaid flannel shirt. It's a Highland shirt, so it's either cream or black, or maybe another color. Yeah. And when we're talking about cream hose and kind of poo-pooing cream hose a little bit, it's not from the casual aspect. No. It's just because there are better options that really aren't any more. It's money. because what, it's what they yeah. give you with rental outfits, so it just kind of looks cheap. It, yeah. Or just kind of generic. So Yeah, generic. It it looks both cheap and generic. Yeah. Um, with black hose even even just simply black or toning your hose with the color in your kilt, it looks like you 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 did it on purpose and tried right. versus what was just kind of thrown at you. Right. 
Very good, Mr. Mack. <clears throat> All right, so we have uh, we have Bob on YouTube asking, where did the square buttons on a PC jacket oh, and waistcoat originate from? I'm gonna let you repeat what you taught me. <clears throat> square buttons on a PC jacket. Did I teach you this? I think you did. If I did, I and may I, have forgotten. I, and I tried to corroborate it. I want to say, and I am prefacing this. This may be complete BS. I'm trying to remember. Um, that originally they were silver buttons mm -hmm. and you would use them effectively as forms of money. If you couldn't pay something, you just pop a button off and pay it with the silver or whatever. You could. That's that. that is that mm, that? That might be mythic, but that is one of the classic stories okay. behind them. And I'm just, don't believe me. Okay. Um, what I remember is that the, um, what have become the traditional square buttons were based on a single button that was found uh on a historical garment or in a cache of stuff. And uh, you notice there's writing around the outside of those buttons. It's very indistinct, but it basically says uh, Clan Nagil. Um, it's like for the clan. C-L-A-N-N-N-A-R-G-A-E-L. No, yeah. Child of Scotland. Yeah, Child of Scotland. There you yeah. go. Um, and, and then there's something else on the bottom. That's the top two. Yeah. And there's two on the bottom, and I forget what they are. And uh, so I can't remember the exact origins, but uh, whoever found that button thought, wow, this is about as Scottish as it gets. Let's make a jacket with buttons that look like this, and it became standard very quickly. Yeah, the it funny got, thing is, it got repeated over and over and over <clears> again <throat> until it became a tradition. And the funny thing is, I actually asked, going back ten years now, I guess, or twelve years ago, I asked um, Scott, the owner of uh, one of our, our our jacket manufacturer, who's one of effectively two or three of the biggest jacket manufacturers in Scotland for you know traditional Highland wear. Um, I asked him, hey. What does this mean on these buttons? I, I've always kind of wondered that. And he, he, the owner of the company that literally produces hundreds and thousands, well, thousands yeah, and tens thousands. of thousands, yeah. tens of thousands of these jackets a year, said, huh, I'm not sure where it started. It's just what you're supposed to put on Prince Charlie's. Right, um, right. And he knows Gaelic, and he kind of translated it, and it's not the actual, it's not correct Gaelic, it's not the right spelling, mm -hmm. but he said, this is what it means. And I remember Child of Scotland or Children of Scotland, and I forget what the, the bottom part was. Um, but he translated it and then said, well, I'm not exactly sure. So there's there's history there. I'm not sure exactly where it goes to. Yeah. But it's... Well, yeah. I don't think, I'm not sure anybody is completely sure. Like I said, I think I think it goes back to something that somebody thought they found it. They assumed it was old, like, like going back to the Jacobites or something, and they decided to copy it as, again, another emblematic element to add to the clothes. Um, and then there's the, the whole silver button thing. Um, might be true, might be a myth. I think that it's more likely that pewter was used more commonly for buttons and people started recreating the clothing to look nice and realized silver was going to be prettier than pewter. So they became silver and then silver is expensive. So now we have chrome, you know, but, yeah. uh, and now we go back to pewter <laughs> because now, it's, because now pewter looks cool. Um, but it, it's a neat, it's a neat part of the kit that is, yeah. it's, it's a, a tiny little detail that is there and it's a holdover from something. And the part that's frustrating to me is there's not a, I want to know, I want to connect all the dots. I want to know what the missing link is. I want to know where it actually started. Yep. But even without that, it's still cool to know that no matter, you know, which jacket company I'm getting the buttons from, it's going to be the same emblem on the button, the same basic thing on the button. Yep. And that is, that has its own history. <laughs> Even if no one knows what the heck it is, mm -hmm. it still has its own history within Highland wear. It's cool little tiny, tiny histories within the big history. Yeah. 
it's very complex. Yeah. yeah. So it's a great question. Yep, absolutely. You know, if I find out more, I'm definitely going to write about it. Because yeah. it's, it's vexed me for years now, not knowing exactly where those things come from. But more? Just make sure you fact check. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mr. Mac. All right. Let's go. Uh... <clears throat> we'll have about, I'm guessing, probably three more. to so do one with you, at least one of Eric, and then one back. Okay. Yep. So we have Mike... Uh, our, our buddy Mike Power asking on uh, on Facebook. Uh, I know recently you said that brown ghillie brogues are considered semi dress. I've noticed recently at weddings that brown shoes are in with dark suits. Yeah. What would you think? <clears throat> would you think that maybe the same thing might go with kilts for for, uh, for formal wear? I wouldn't say formal. The brown shoes are in with dark suits, but not often black suits. You'll see them with navy blue. You'll see them with, you know, different colors of suits, but not often formal, 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 yeah. meaning bow tie, you know, wing collar shirt. You have, you know, patent leather shoes or, you know, I'm thinking, you know, tuxedo formal. It is very different from kilt. Well, it's, it's different, but parallel from kilt formal. So what you're talking about is dressy, but not formal, formal by a true definition of the word formal. Yeah. Is that fair? I, I agree. Um, yeah, brown shoes, especially that lighter brown, that kind of like camel brown that's in right now with shoe with uh, with suits. I kind of hate it. Just saying, I don't really like it. Um, but definitely, definitely very, it. definitely very in. Um, I would say you'll probably see it with more kilted weddings these days because there are a lot of daytime weddings and outdoor weddings. A lot of and tweed. The, and there's a lot of tweed. The trend towards uh, kilted weddings these days is towards the less formal, <clears throat> um, and therefore things like brown become cool. Uh, but if you're talking after six, if you're talking true formal wear, black tie to white tie, no brown. Yeah, it's as a society, you know, whether it's the UK, whether it's Canada, whether it's US, doesn't matter. We have all effectively moved the needle pretty far away from actual formal for weddings, for formal events, for that kind of thing. Yeah. There aren't a lot of formal events to go to. A lot of people either A, aren't that stuffy. Or B, want to wear something a little bit toned down or something a little bit more natural looking or something they want to buy something that they can get more usage out of. And if you're only going to go to three formal events when you and two of your college buddies get married, um, you're not going to get a whole lot of use out of a PC. So a lot of guys go, all right, well, I'd rather if I got to buy something, I'd rather buy a tweed jacket and vest because I know I can wear that. A yeah. lot more often than I can wear yeah. a PC. PC meaning Prince Charlie. So I'd say that yeah, the brown shoes fit very well with a Prince or with a uh, uh, with a tweed jacket and vest, right. which is why you're probably seeing a lot more of them. It's not formal, but it looks good with a tweed jacket and vest. Right. Or uh, worsted wool, like a, a Highland wear done in regular suit fabric. Uh, of which the best example on our website is the Wallace. Wallace jacket. And yes, Wallace jacket. Got it. It's basically a herringbone, worsted wool. Very sharp, very contemporary, um, and you could wear different colors with that. Um, but yeah, once you get... If you got shiny buttons, you don't want to wear brown shoes. How's that? Shiny buttons? That's a good... Black shoes. That's, that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. yeah. It'll work for now. Until I yep. come up with something better. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Let's do, do one of yours. One? Sure, because there's a lot of them. Yeah, I know. Um... We got to do that rapid fire show. We may, yeah, we may stretch past 445 a little bit. Um, oh, okay. 
this is a similar related question. Uh, Brendan Charlie was was asking, saying he generally tries to match his leathers of his shoes and his belts and his sporns and all that. But is it odd to wear brown shoes and a brown sporn if the straps on the kilt are black? He's worried about his kilt clashing with his other leather. And we're really getting into minutia here, but it's a legit question. So, um, no, yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, you're fine. It's the straps are attached to the kilt. Um, you don't, if you, especially if you're wearing a belt, you don't see two of the straps. Your top right and your top left strap, you won't see. If you're wearing a vest and no belt, you won't see them then either. Right. The only one you're going to see is the hip strap on the right hand side. If your kilt has a hip strap, some don't. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry that much about it. No. Yeah. No, that's the that's the uh, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, you're fine. This guy just disappear. You don't really pay attention to him. Pretty much. So that was a quick one. Yep. Do you know one, Mac? All right. So <clears throat> I've got one here that, that came in that I've actually kind of like. Uh, we have William on uh, on the let's see on YouTube. Any Twitch questions or no? No, we haven't had. <sighs> Come on, Twitch. We've had a few. People We're trying <laughs> Twitch. Get out there. We've actually had a few people bounce back and forth between Twitch and and YouTube. So Interesting. Interesting. It's uh, we've had some bounce back and forth between. I'll, I'll be Let's... curious. I'll be curious to know from them later what which one they liked better, which one they thought the picture or sound was better. And on. here's what I'm going to say as well. Next episode, we'll do Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch again, and we'll take the questions in order. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Ooh. That way, Ooh. we'll see if you go over to Twitch, you'll have a better chance of getting your question answered. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that, that'll work. We'll take that under consideration. They'll overrule me and say right. I'm wrong. Go ahead, Mac. All right, so we have William uh, asking the question, uh, hearing, that, hearing about all the challenges making a kilt, which is more satisfying, finishing a kilt to the striper set or finishing a, a tartan kilt or a tweed kilt? Finishing it as fast as possible and getting it out of my vision. Oh, come on. Um, come on. <clears throat> now, um, Pass your mind back to before you were jaded. Me? Angry <laughs> and jaded and curmudgeonly? No, never. Nah. Um, I, could, I could go both direction, and I'm, I'm assuming Mac wants to answer as well because he seems like he's on his haunches yeah. there. Yeah, the, I would say this. It's, I have different reasons for each. One, not tweed. If it's a pattern tweed, maybe. Solid color or just herringbone tweed, no. I hate doing tweeds because you have to mark everything out. It's a pain in the butt. The, the difference between stripe and set. If it is for the stripe, I like it because there's the challenge of making sure the stripe is dead center on that pleat. And that was you're tapering out into kind of the, you know, the, the flat section for the rise and then, you know, angling out in slight A shape and then coming straight down the bottom in the bottom two inches of the fell or bottom inch of the fell, making sure that that stripe stays exact, exactly dead center on the pleat and that each pleat is individually exactly the same size because you can tell when a kilt that is pleated the stripe much easier that the pleats are all the same size or there's varying differences or if a line is off a little bit and there's a stare effect. So you have to be better at your craft in some ways for that. On the set, it's more satisfying because you're you're creating the pattern or I'll go another direction, Mac, is if the if the set size is big and you have to kind of make up the pattern within it or on our five-yard kilt where you don't pleat it to the full set and you may have to pleat it to the reverse set. Um, you're literally making up a pattern within the set to recreate. So 
that is satisfying insofar as you're hoping that your pattern that you're creating to make it work with the amount of fabric that you have looks as good as the original set um, and you're kind of playing around with things. You have to have a little bit more creativity. So one, I would say, goes to the level of perfection. The other one goes to the level of creativity. Hmm. Mac, top that answer. For for me, I mean, I I do I do agree with you on the on the stripe and making sure that's I I don't know I like I almost like doing the set a little bit more because I think in a way it's a little bit it's it's a little bit more challenge. You got to put a little bit more finesse into it. You got to come up with the you figure out how to make it work. Um, I see. I I differ with you on the tweeds. Like. I guess coming from a drafting background and like drawing it all out and laying it there, like that doesn't phase me as much. Now I have a whole bunch of se- uh, solid semi tracks. <coughs> Ask me that uh, next week and we'll, we'll see what the answer <laughs> is, but it's, I don't know. I like, see now that's, that's where psychologically I differ from you because when I was in elementary school, every report card, you know, they, they would come back and say, you know, Rocky's very smart, but he needs to follow directions. He needs to read the directions entirely before starting the work. Because I would just be like, okay, uh, okay, start going. And I would just want to jump right in and get through the thing as fast as possible. So for me, that's why it's I, I get a differing sense of it. And I don't like doing the salads. I don't want to sit there and mark out all the stuff. When I started making kilts, I used to pin every single thing you know, 10 or 15 times down each pleat and, you know, get everything exactly so because I wanted the, the level of perfection to be as high as possible. And I drove myself nuts with it and very quickly decided, forget this. I am not going to sit here and pin each pleat. It's driving me nuts. I'm going too slow. I hate doing it. I just need to learn how to do it without pinning and be just as precise. So that's kind of how I taught myself to do it after that point, And I've hated pinning ever since. Yeah, but you enjoy doing <coughs> the tweeds. <laughs> yeah, I think it, the tweeds are—it's it's a different feel. Like it's texturally, it's a different feel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. it's it. Each mill within itself has its own challenges. Like they all have different feels. Different. This one the is a little bit more spongier than this one, and so you have you have all these array of different things that you're going through, especially in the okay. tweeds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it it really. Like any given tartan or any given kilt I'm working on, I could go either way on. Like, but like just to go off his question, like doing something to me for me, it's the it's doing something to the set, and then a tweed kilt. I, I those are the two. That's you're, the direction you're talking about. The tactile experience, mm-hmm. not just the OCD of of lining it up and making it crisp. Yeah, so there's still that with with the tweed though. Even though okay. you're in the middle of a solid field, you got to make sure that at your top can be all done straight, but your bottom can skew a little bit. You got to okay. make sure that that's straight. Yeah, because you don't have a grid on the fabric. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. hoping that when you pinch it and flip it over and draw a line top and bottom, that that line is exactly running down the same thread vertically versus going on an angle on the actual cloth. And mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it has its mm-hmm. own challenges in tweed. Mm-hmm. You realize you guys have just now gotten people thinking about tweeds and they're going to start ordering tweed kilts. We're gonna have an influx of tweed kilts for uh, twenty. Not it. Ever, <laughs> <laughs> ever the, the over there. I'm the one that signs who gets what. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, 
Ian's over there like, oh no, no. <laughs> Damn it. Indeed. Okay. Mr. Eric, we'll do one more. Okay. And then okay. the long awaited Tartan Challenge. Okay. All right. Uh, Troy Sartors, or Sartors, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, asks pretty basic question Is it overboard to wear a belt buckle and a sporn and a kill pin? That all have the clan crest on them. Is that overkill to have clan, 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 clan? Or should you mix it up with some regular jewelry? Did you drop something down the stairs? Yes. Clang, 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 clang. Yeah. Clang, clang, clang. Um, is it overkill to wear all clan items? Meaning kilt pin, belt buckle, um, sporin, you know, cap badge, everything, clan crest. Yes and no. I've met people who really, really want to do all of it. I've met people who just want to have accents of it. Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to do multiple, meaning you want to wear a couple different pieces, my suggestion is always kilt pin and belt buckle and not sporn. Because belt buckle yeah. and or belt buckle and sporn are in very close proximity. Right. And sporn is close to kilt pin. Kilt pin size, you know, is you know about the size of a dime or so mm -hmm. or a nickel. Um for the actual clan badge on the kilt pin, where the buckle it's a little bit bigger, so it's at least a size variation. Yeah. Um, so I would say if you're gonna do everything, have at it. It's not you know tr done all that often. It's not traditional or non-traditional. It's a personal preference thing. Yeah. Um, but if you're gonna do s more than just one, then I always kind of nudge people towards the uh, the kilt pin and the buckle. Yeah, I would. Uh... Yeah, there's definitely nothing wrong with it. Um, it's hard to say something is overkill in Highland dress. You know, again, we're all peacocks. But uh, if it were me, I'd say if it was like the the sporin was kind of a signature piece and you really wanted to make sure people knew your clan, especially if you're in a capacity where you're representing the clan, like at a clan tent at a gathering or something like that, like you're going to Highland Games and you're representing the clan and you want to make sure everybody knows exactly who you are, might be worth advertising a little harder that way. Um, but I would, if I was going to do the sporn, I would not do the buckle, like <clears> I said, and uh, I might not even do the the kilt pin either. Um, you know, it, it's uh, yeah, I think a little can go a long way, especially if it's larger. The I would I would kind of go back to the 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 tartan full suit thing, where would you wear a tartan jacket and vest and kilt all on the same tartan? Um, yes, to different types of occasions. If I'm just going to the grocery store, no, I wouldn't wear it. That's overkill for that scenario. If I'm going to a St. Andrew's dinner and I am going to be among 50, 100 other guys wearing kilts, wearing Prince Charlie's, wearing, you know, tartan outfits, then, and you want to be the pe the king peacock among the peacocks, mm -hmm. then that's fine. Where you went with the clan tent thing or a clan gathering, there I would see it as a little bit less obnoxious um, we'll call it obnoxious but less much yeah than if you're just out at the store if yeah. you are at a mcmillan clan gathering and you want to wear all your mcmillan stuff to show you are the biggest cheerleader for clan mcmillan then that would be fine in in a better way than just going out to the mall yeah is that fair yeah i think it makes sense okay yeah. so the the king peacock now we need a king peacock the staff, yeah, and the crown. Yep. With plaid. Indeed. With with uh, you know, <clears throat> feathers. Or, or no, no, clan crest in the in the peacock tails. Yes. 
set to the NBC. Boom, boom, boom. Wow, you're really dating yourself. Yes. They, they still use it. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Not as often. They don't use the sound effect thing. Okay. But they still use it. Anyway, speaking of television. Indeed. This, Indeed. this is an example of what happens when you have a small little idea. Like, oh, let's just get the cell phones out and have Rocky and Mac kind of like name the tartans. They'll be fine. We'll just, yeah, let's do it this afternoon. Uh, and then things go a little bit big. Then you say, you guys figure it out and just tell me and Mac when we need to show up. And then a, a small project becomes a slightly larger project. And then I get involved and want to make stupid commercials and make it even don't, worse. Yeah, don't, don't. I'm not giving too much away. Okay, okay. The, it goes nuts. But in a good way. So, without further ado, the long-awaited for Tartan Challenge with Rocky and Mac. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. You've asked for it for months, and now we are ready to do it. This is the first and probably the last episode of your favorite game show and ours, Name That Tartan. Today, we have two very special contestants, and they are going to compete to see who is the Tartan champion and who is the Tartan chump. So without further ado, let's bring him out here and get this show going. A kilt maker for over 16 years, our first contestant is a real tartan enthusiast. He says he loves Celtic heritage almost as much as he loves his scotch. A man who owns enough kilts to qualify for an episode of Hoarders, it's Rocky Rager. Opposing Rocky, a man who spends so much time sewing tartan, he has to wear corrective color-blocking lenses. Host of the hit show, Kilts and Culture, you know him, you love him. It's Dan the Mac McMichael. All right, you folks ready? Because I sure am. Let's bring him out. Come on, guys. Now, before we start, I wanted to thank both of you for being willing to take this challenge on because you are answering a question that has been burning in the minds of our audience for months now, and that is, what are the tartans behind us on the wall in our USA Kilt studio? Now, the rules are pretty simple. You have basically as much time as you need to determine which tartans are which. However, for every tartan you get wrong, or every tartan you choose to skip, you will earn a 10 second penalty. Now, you don't have to name every name of a tartan if it has multiple names, some tartans do. You do have to name the color variation. So, correct name, correct color variation, and as quickly as possible, gentlemen. Are you ready? All right, here we go. It's time to play. Rocky Rager, are you ready? Absolutely. Feeling nervous at all? No. All right then, I'm gonna count you down. Three, two, one, go. Buchanan, hunting, muted. MacArthur, modern. County Cabin, uh, Buchan District, Modern, County Crest, Cork, Mitchell, Muted, Wallace, Red, Muted, uh, McMillan, Old, Modern, Lagavulin 16, Law Enforcement, Officers Memorial Tartan, uh, uh, Alaska State Seal, Ross, Hunting, Modern, Gun, Ancient, Stuart, Black, Modern, Buchanan, Ancient, County Donegal, Henderson, Weathered, Mackenzie, Modern, Prince Charles Edward Stewart, Modern, Mackay, Ancient, uh, Innes, Red, Muted, Lament, Modern, Kerr, 
red, muted, American Heritage, County Donegal, U.S. Army, County Crest Dairy, Irish National, Holyrood, Monroe, red, muted, Scott, green, weathered, Firefighter Memorial, County Cork, County Clare, Irish National, Anderson, Ancient, Isle of Skye, uh, Sutherland, Modern, Farkson, Ancient. Wow. I don't know about you folks, but I think that was a pretty impressive display of tartan prowess. Rocky, how do you think you did? Not bad. I think I pretty much, I got most of them as one or two. I'm a little bit questioning, mm -hmm. but it was, I tried to take my time and hit the name and think about the element of each individual one to make sure I wasn't getting a penalty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, all I can say is I think that Mac has got a tough act to follow. We'll see how well he's going to do in just a minute. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Do you hate pants? Try a kilt. Kilts make you faster than a speeding Ford Focus. Kilts make you more attractive. Kilts give you superpowers. Go to usakilts.com and get your kilt today. Actual resulting superpowers may vary. And we're back. Mac? Rocky did a pretty good job back then, I'll tell you that. You think you're ready? Oh, I'm sure he did a pretty good job. We'll see. We'll see what happens here. Um, there's a few few humdingers in there, but we'll, we'll go. All righty. I'm going to count you down, and uh, then you'll be on your way. All righty. Sounds good. Three, two, one, go. Buchanan Hunting Ancient, uh, MacArthur Ancient, County Cavan, Cunningham, uh, Cunningham Ancient, Modern, uh, Cork Crest, Mitchell uh, Muted, Wallace Muted, McMillan, Hole, McMillan Old Modern, uh, Law Enforcement Officer Memorial Tartan, the Alaska State Seal, Ross Modern, uh, Ross Hunting Modern, um, Gun Ancient, Store Black, Buchanan Ancient, County uh, Donegal, Henderson Weathered, Mackenzie Modern, uh, Prince Stewart, Prince Charles Edward, Modern. Mackay, um, Ancient, Innis Red, Modern, or Innis Red, Muted, Lamont, Modern, Kerr, Muted, Kerr Red, Muted, American Heritage, County Donegal, U.S. Army, uh, Derry Crest, Irish National, Holyrood, Monroe, Red, uh, Muted, Scott Green Weathered, Firefighters Memorial, County Cork, County Clare, Irish National, Anderson Ancient, Isle of Skye, uh, Sutherland Modern, and Farkson Ancient. Wow, wow. This is going to be a close one, folks. I can tell. This is going to be really, really close. How do you think you did there, Mac? That was a little slow. <laughs> that, a little slow? Yeah, I think that was slow. I there's it's 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 easy to go through them one by one, and but to know that there's a time crunch is the uh, that's the tripper upper. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I think Rocky said almost the exact same thing. So it's going to come down to the numbers, of course. Going to come down to our time. We're going to calculate that and find out who the winner is.
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to announce our winner. I'm going to ask Adam, our head of competition, to hand me the envelope. Good luck, Brad. Very good sportsmanship on both your parts. The results were very close. You each only got two wrong, and the final times only had a difference of four seconds between the two of you. The winner and new, and probably only, Tartan Champion is Mac with a time of 1 minute and 41 seconds. All closely by Rocky with a 1 minute and 45 seconds. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's about all we have for tonight. Thanks for joining us. And remember, you can catch Kilton Culture, the official show, every Friday afternoon, right here on the USA Kilton Network. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. We're going to be in here like three months later. We're just still finding petty pieces. Yeah, it's like needles off the Yule tree. At least it's not glitter. <laughs> I hope you were as amused uh... with that as we were with making it and... Oh man! Stupid, stupid, happy, fun time at USA Kilts. Wow! Yes, my favorite part was the commercial. I agree because I wasn't in it. <laughs> Mac, what are the what are the what are the people saying? The uh, there's a whole there's a whole lot of uh, chatter going on. Have about, we annoyed yeah. and lost all of our viewers with our spectacular acting abilities? From when it started to now, we only lost one person, so <laughs> we're uh, we're doing pretty good, I guess. The uh, Bet you that person has the same haircut as I did in the video. That's... There was a lot, of, a lot of talk about the. Uh, you like that, guys? I have to shave every month. I have to shave every month for this show. I hope you appreciate it. He makes me do it. I don't want to be the only guy with male pattern baldness on the show. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Any any positives? Any, any questions? Negatives? Any questions? Any questions about, about it? Outside of. What the hell were you thinking? Yeah, there's a lot of oh my, uh, <laughs> what is going on? You know the, uh, um, but no, everyone's uh, everyone's saying it was great. They loved it. So it's, thanks, uh, very good. Thank you. We even got a heart. Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah. Do you know how much time and money that cost? <laughs> yeah. Um, in all seriousness, I want to know. Here's my question of the day. Tell us in the comments whether you're watching this live or after the fact. Tell me, do you think we should run that actual commercial of the, do you hate pants? Should we run that as a real commercial? And should we put ad money behind it? I want to know if you guys think it's going to be funny or if it's the dumbest thing ever, or if it's funny it's because it's the, the dumbest, dumbest thing, thing ever. ever. Yeah. So let me know what you think of that. I, it's all about the Wilhelm scream. That's right. I, love it. I love the whole thing. Yeah. Just the, the absurdity of it. It I is love pretty it. absurd. That's pretty absurd. I love it. I needed to see it exist. Okay. Yes. Okay. And it exists now. I'm I'm sorry, world. I'm sorry, Scott. Great. Very good. Should we wrap up with a few more questions, maybe, if anybody wants? To... Let's do one. We'll do, if there's any more okay. from Mac, we'll from ask, me? if there's okay. any more from you. Okay. All right. Um... And I'm back to drinking now. Yes, everyone's saying run it. Oh, yeah? Okay. Okay. Um, they may be biased though. <laughs>
This is a this is a this is a, an interesting one actually. Um, and this comes from uh, Mr. Fedora, or our YouTube viewer. He had asked this. Um, I've been told that the kilt, in its present skirt-like design, was actually invented by an Englishman. Is this true? I think you know the story he's referring to. <clears throat> yeah, um, Rawlinson or whatever. Rawlinson. Rawlinson. Yeah. Um, the the there is some historical evidence, not overwhelming amount, but there's some historical evidence that a gent who was English moved to the Highlands of Scotland. His name was Rawlinson back in the seven was it seventeen or eighteen. 1730s at the latest, maybe 1720s. Okay. I forget when the letter was written, that's <clears throat> the evidence, but... English guy, moved to Scotland, uh, worked as a smelter or something about, with iron. As an ironworks. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and basically adopted Highland garb since he was living in Scotland and started wearing a great kilt and realized quickly that, gee, if I didn't wear the top part of the great kilt, I could have free range of motion and that kind of thing. So safer... It was safer, the, yes, all yeah. that. And that is where the story of the kilt was invented by the English comes from. Um, it's partially factually true, but not entirely. Um, at at and For a couple reasons. One, the there is some evidence that yeah. a version of the Philabeg, which is the small kilt or half kilt, yep. was already in existence by that point. Versus the Fila Moore, which is the great kilt, which is the full thing, you know, over the shoulder and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, the great kilt was already, you know, woven two small pieces of cloth that were actually spliced together, and that's how you wore it. So ripping the kilt in half, as the story goes with Rawlinson, wouldn't have had to necessarily been done. You just don't sew the pieces together. Mm -hmm. um, on top of that, the, the kilt as it is now is a fully tailored garment specifically to the people's own measurements. Um, Rawlinson did not push that forward. He was literally, if you give him credit for this stuff, mm. he was only the guy to say, hey, it's cooler if you only wear the bottom half, not the top half. Cooler as in temperature. Um, he didn't tailor the kilt. He didn't do any of that. He didn't invent the kilt as it stood before that. He didn't invent the great kilt. He probably didn't even invent the half kilt. So... At best case scenario, he's somebody that affected, to some degree, the evolution of the kilt. He didn't invent it or make it or whatever. He was just kind of one of the stepping stones along the way, at best. I'd say he was probably an example of, of what other people were doing at the same time. It's just that people That's remember fair. the story because he was an oddity because he was English. That's fair as well. He was not the first Englishman to try wearing a kilt, by the way. There are other Englishmen who went to Scotland and adopted the dress because they realized it was awesome. Um, but uh, And they wanted to fit in with the culture. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I suspect that it was kind of just happening in general just as a, as a practical um, option. Yeah. Uh, now, now, I guess I think the, the, the second part of that story is that there was a duke who saw him doing it and uh, thought... That's a good idea. And he started wearing it that way too. And then he became, because he was a person of authority, he was the one who got the Look fashion yeah, yeah. You know, rolling. But um, as I recall, there is some evidence like uh, from like uh, some heraldic um, art, like displays of coats of arms, where um, you see a Highlander as one of the supporters of the arms, and they seem to be wearing they seem to be wearing a filibeg. Um, it's 
there it's scanty evidence as a lot of early kill history is and that predates but, rawlinson exactly yes yeah. um so that's like like 1600s so okay. um so he's yeah he's i think he's just an example of it happening but you know when the popular media especially the english popular media gets a hold of something like that then it's kind of like oh hey check it out <laughs> um but it's it's just it's because it's an oddity it's not it's not like he really did it yeah and there's also you know? the the effect of the age of the internet and people wanting to know things or coming coming up with stories or embellishing yeah. stories or misremembering stories or mm-hmm. you know moving things along and yeah, that's why you got to be careful about what you're reading, what you're what you're you know taking in, making sure that it's factually accurate, um, and kind of thinking about things critically and not just oh this is the story my grandpa told me so it must be yeah. true because he yeah. was my grandpa and he wouldn't lie to me. He's not lying to you. He just didn't know the facts back then, and then you're just pushing it forward. And I think I think people like to glom onto stories like that because uh, as a modern culture, we have a tendency to want to look for clay feet on all of our idols. So if you can be the guy who knocks down everybody at peg by saying, "Well, did you actually know that the kilt was invented by an Englishman?" Then you're getting like snide know-it-all points. Yeah, you're you're, you know you're thumbing mean? your nose at the Scots yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah, 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 you're 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 bashing down the the idol, and therefore you're cool. So there's that. But um, yeah, it's a mountain out of a molehill, in my opinion. It probably happened. Probably guy guy English guy came and wore a filibeg. I don't think he was the only one. I don't think he was an innovator. And it's certainly not the, the Scots were not like saying this Englishman has given us a great idea. You know, how about that? Let's all start drinking tea also. No, it, it was, um, they're already drinking change tea. Change our accent. Um, <laughs> um, Worst Highland accent. I articles ever. of Union aren't such a bad idea after all. Mm-hmm. Um, bully, bully! Yes, jolly good, tally-ho. Um, <laughs> getting worse, not better. Um, I have English ancestry too, I can pick on them. <coughs> um, so yeah, but it's, it's an interesting anecdote, but it's just an anecdote. It's not really how he wasn't responsible for the clothing evolving it was just evolving you know times were changing and people had different ideas of what were good options and there's one thing about the scots is they like options yeah it's practical period yeah so if somebody comes up it doesn't matter to some degree it doesn't matter who came up with an idea who are who as a people are less practical or more practical than the scots like literally it is a practical idea so when you see a good idea it doesn't matter who came up with the idea if it's a good idea, you're going to do it. So yeah. whether it's an English guy or whether it's an Englishman in Scotland or whether it was someone else and the English guy got it from him, it, who cares? Ultimately, it's still a Scottish garment, yeah. period. Yeah. Bottom line. Absolutely. Mr. Mac. All right. We have Lewis on on Facebook asking uh, or saying that his graduation is next week. Oh, cool. He will be dressed in a semi-formal... We dress semi-formal in a vest and kilt. Okay. Uh, the event is early morning, so is it is that too early in the day to be wearing a dress form? For graduation? For semi-formal, yes. Yeah. If he's just wearing a vest if he's just and wearing a kilt a vest, and a dress shirt, yeah, I... Bagpipers do it, and it's, it's fine-ish. It's kind of a gray area. He'll get away with it. You'll get away with it because... People are just going to think you look awesome in general. You know, I mean, unless your graduation is in Edinburgh or something, but I'm assuming we're stateside. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would I would normally say that it's not something you should do at all. Um, dress forms are supposed to be after six, but people are bending that rule more and more these days, especially with some of the more toned down dress forms, which are becoming popular as a result of the current 
trends in the wedding uh, yep. wedding industry. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it's not like a huge, you know, covers your lap kind of furry, crazy thing, um, if it's if it's a more subdued dress form, you're probably gonna be fine. Um, I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't say it's traditional. I wouldn't say it's common to do, but. That being said, it's... But I don't want to rain on your parade, dude. I mean, it's your graduation, so, you know... Yeah, it's, it's if, a, and if it's the only spore and you own, wear it. No one's going to care. No one's going to see it. You're wearing a gown over top of it anyway. Well, yeah, um, so, yeah that's my next question is if, he's, yeah. if you have to wear a gown as part of the ceremony, then that kind of changes things too, so... Yeah, but it's not it's not the, it's not not the fully traditional, but it's not the end of the world. If you have yeah. a, a nice day spore or a semi-dress spore that may be a little bit more appropriate, but it's not the end of the world if you wear a dress spore. Yeah. Indeed. Basically. Mr. Mac, any others? Or um, no? This one came up. We do have, we still have quite a few, which we will, if we don't get to them today, we'll obviously I put them do in. I want to do one more. We'll put it in the chain for yeah. down the road. Um, uh, Pip is asking, and that is coming from us from YouTube, why is there not a lining in a semi traditional or in a PV <clears throat> kilt? Um, from us, I'm assuming he means our product. Yeah. Okay. They're. A few reasons. One, the fabric is is a little. It's 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 a synthetic. It's polyester and rayon or polyviscose, which is the fancy British word for rayon. Um, it's polyester viscose blend. There's a couple reasons. One, the fabric doesn't distort as much. Mac, you know, back me up on this as I'm kind of saying things. It doesn't distort as much when you're pulling across the fabric. Um, two, it's a cost saving thing. Period. Three, you want to be able to throw it in the washing machine and just, you know, be done with it. Um, and it's it doesn't really need it, per se. Yeah. Um, so, ultimately, since it doesn't need it, and it is a supposed to be a purposefully less expensive kilt than wool kilts, we try to keep the cost down. Part of that is not putting the lining in the semi-traditional kilt like we do in the five-yarders and the eight-yarders. Any additional... No, I wouldn't say there's anything. I mean, it really doesn't. You, know, you said it doesn't really need it. It it. Yeah. There's no sense in adding an extra layer in there. I'll just give it, it lightweight yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, it is it is definitely supposed to be a lightweight summer weight kind of a kilt. Yeah. So. A lot of the lower end. I'll say this. A lot of the lower end kilts, meaning you know, like acrylic and things coming from overseas, oh. they have linings, but they literally serve no purpose, and some of them are actually hurting the kilt i remember the one that we got for our, our our cash for clunkers program way back when um one of the the kilts we got in from pakistan had the lining sewn in the back and it was actually not sewn as a band across the back of the kilt but it was actually sewn in like as a semicircle and it was tacked down and it was it went all the way down the back of the kilt to like that far above the bottom of the pleats and it stopped the pleats from moving like it was just poorly designed uh, yeah, um, so it's it's one of those things where it doesn't really need it. So if it's not necessary, then why just throw it in just for the sake of throwing it in? Just to say it has a lining, it doesn't matter. Didn't we see one once where they had basically they had glued the kilt together and they used the lining basically to cover where <clears> they're <throat> gluing it, like they used stitch witchery or something? And, and yeah, like, like the no, were like the, glued together. The one uh, one company in Scotland that mass produces kilts. Um, they use a fusible lining. Fusible so lining. instead of okay. the, the hand-sewn horsehair canvas on the inside, they actually just take fusible lining, they take the big clamshell, they spread the kilt out. You no, know, it's it's done 
well, mm. but they just take fusible lining and iron that in and steam it into place. Yeah. That way they don't have to spend all the time actually hand sewing the inside of the kilt, um, which saves time, which saves money. And it's not bad, except for five years later, after you've dry yeah. cleaned the kilt you yeah. know, five, six, seven, eight times, and those chemicals kind of break down the glues, yeah. then it starts to, you know, it, it comes detached from the kilt. And at yeah. that point, you don't have anything supporting the, the internal structure of the kilt. So it right. ends up just kind of right. getting floppy and misshapen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why you do things the right way. Yeah. Hopefully that answers the question, though. Yeah. All right. One more. <laughs> just, I don't like to end on a just product. Just one anymore. more. Just one more. <clears throat> um, i for two hours. See. Doing 15 minutes. Yeah, but we had a break. It's true. We had an eight-minute break or whatever. We need more scotch. Okay, uh, we got Chuck on YouTube. Max, like, all right, Max then. Like, all right, you asked right, for it. Here you go. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm I hurt you now. There, boy. There's a few in here that I think will all kind. Some of them go together, some of them don't. But um, do you find socks warm enough when, when uh, winter kilting? Socks. So I'm mm. assuming what he means is different kilt hose. Is there is there is there particular kilt hose that work better in winter than there are in uh, than others? So yeah, like. Sure. Um, the my my patent answer is the best answer for this one, which is when you're kilting, when you're wearing a kilt in cold weather, what you're wearing on the top of your head and your torso will matter much more than what you are wearing on your legs. Um, the you know your your toes may get cold, but your blood flow and your heat re- retention start in your head and your torso. So if you're going to be outside, you know, and you have to walk for a little bit outside in cold weather then make sure you're wearing a jacket make sure you're wearing a hat um if you're just walking around inside it's you're in a room temperature kind of room anyway um i don't know a lot of people running around outdoors in the winter for massive amounts of time in a kilt and if you are i know know guys who hunt hunt in a kilt fair but at that point it's it's like wearing kilts are kind of like wearing shorts so it's always going to be colder there's you know, there's a breeze um the uh, so it's yeah there are some pairs of kilt hose which are going to be warmer than others um you know for instance lewis hose or the handmade kilt hose are going to be a little bit warmer than others the other thing i would say is potentially if you're going to be out for a while maybe wearing a pair of thinner cotton crew socks underneath your kilt hose two layers that's that's um, one layer that's one option it's um, going to add thickness to your to your shoes but yeah, the um, I would I I'd, I'd say basically, um, kill hose in general are going to be better than any other regular socks in terms of, you know, like modern socks. Um, I would say that the higher the wool content, the better off you'll be in the winter. I definitely like my hand knits when it's really really cold out and I want to go for a hike or something. That's that's my go to. I will definitely go for the hand knits. Thank you for giving me the extra pairs, by the way. Or the Lewis um, hose. The Lewis hose are good they're because they have, they're, well. they're a little thicker and they have a pretty good wool content. Yep. Um, wool, natural fiber, uh, it breathes and it will keep you warm even if it gets wet. So that's really what you want. Um, so other than that, yeah, a little thicker hose are good in the wintertime. Um, I don't. I could see if I was going to be inside, maybe having the, the, the cotton socks as a layering thing. If I was going to in and out, like if working in the warehouse... Maybe, but if you're outside and you're going to be working at all, building up any kind of a sweat, I don't think you want the cotton there between you and the wool. You want the wool to be able to wick the uh, the sweat away from your feet. Yeah. 
but at the same that's my take on it always. but again the 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 headwear and the, and yeah. the jacket matter infinitely more oh yeah you're talking and, about overall body i'm talking about yeah. like if he's got cold feet yeah you know but but yeah i think i think uh if you're if you're out in the snow then a nice pair of hand knits is is really awesome it's just nice agreed comfy it feels it feels right. Yeah. Okay. All right, Mr. Mac. Do you have anything burning? Best question of the day. Top question. A lot of pressure. If no, I'm going to Eric. Mr. So Eric. Let's see what Eric got. Oh, okay. I'll just put my one clip, more. Put my clipboard down. I know we gotta get to that list a little bit more. So I want to make yeah. Sure yeah. No, like I said, I we're think not we're, ignoring I, the live we're people. Gonna, we, we're trying. We're gonna save the rest of the questions. And then we're going to add them to this list, which we will get I think infinitely we should longer. totally do uh, a rapid fire episode sometime. Okay. I don't know um, if that can be rapid is the problem. Okay, marathon. We'll do like a, an eight hour show. How's that sound? <laughs> a, we need a lot of scotch. B, the beginning of the show is going to be infinitely better than the end of the show. <laughs> C, I pity the poor fool who wants to hear me ramble on for eight freaking hours. Right on. <laughs> Okay, um, uh, Christopher Ryan was asking us, uh, is there a difference between, uh, or what are the differences between regular box pleats and military box pleats? He was about to get a uh, USMC tartan kilt, and so it got him thinking about military-style kilts versus regular kilts, if there is any kind of a difference. But um, how do military box pleats work? Is it a thing? <clears throat> yes. Um, the A military box pleat is a... It is still a box pleat. It is a type of box pleat. A box pleat just basically means that um, the the pleat has two knife edges. A traditional eight-yard kilt typically is knife pleated, meaning all the pleats go the same direction. The knives, the edge of each pleat, all goes effectively counterclockwise around the body as you look down at yourself. In a box pleat, each pleat has two edges to it. In a regular box pleat, there aren't really official terms. People have kind of globbed on to the term military box plate, but it's still okay. a box plate. Okay. In a regular box plate, the pleats are about, let's say, two inches wide, and each one tucks in either direction on either side, so there's two edges going opposite directions, and then inside the depth, they kind of meet the same way inside the back, and we'll, we'll have to draw some kind of graphic on yeah, this Yeah, we'll show afterwards. graphics. Yeah. <clears throat> for a military box plate, and I'm using my finger quotes, the pleats and box pleated kilts are typically about four yards, right. four and a half right. yards. Less yardage in a exactly. box plate. Because you're stacking up fabric and you it needs to match up in the back as well as in the front. For a military box plate, <clears throat> as it's kind of been, you know, through wanton usage been called now, um, the, the face of the pleat is one inch. So the depth of the pleat is going to be three and a half, four inches. If you have three and a half or four inches going one way on an inch face, the other side can only physically be one inch deep until it hits that fold, going the other side of the other knife, going the other direction. So the, the pleats go both directions, but one side is one inch deep. The other side is, you know, let's say three inches deep. Um, and that goes around the entire kilt. Um, it is much more difficult to do from a manufacturing, from a kilt making perspective. Um, a lot of companies will actually baste in each one um, before ironing them because ironing is the real pain in the butt. Um, 
self-censoring there. But ironing the kilts is the real pain in the butt when it comes to box-plated kilts, whether military or otherwise. Um, but that's the main difference. In a military box plate, the face of the pleat is going to be one inch or less, and one side is much, much deeper than the other. In a regular four-yard box plate kilt, the pleats are going to be about two inches wide, and both depths are effectively the same, and they just basically touch in the middle of the back. They don't overlap, really. Okay. Mac, do you wow. have anything to add to that from a kilt maker perspective? No, I was looking at our, the old graphic that we used to have, and I yeah. don't know if we'll use that one or another one. Yeah, it, it's just... Box, it's it's box a mess. Pleats, box pleats are are uh, they're they're tough in the aspect of just ironing them and getting them ironed, getting them ironed straight and even is. And, and you mentioned about basting them, but yeah, it's that's probably our biggest struggle with them. And the biggest, even bigger than that, looking beyond the actual manufacturing, the the bigger problem that the owner has is when you go to get that cleaned the dry cleaner will screw it up he will put in knife pleats and will destroy the box plating oh. it's they won't sit there and baste every pleat they're going to basically just they're not going to know what what happened there it's going to come out of the out of the dry cleaning machine and they're just going through their normal process of getting things cleaned and ironed and pressed as quickly as possible and out the door they're going to put it in a clamshell and see Okay, well, you know, the stripe's supposed to be here. The majority of the depth goes this way, and they're going to just kind of press it the best they can and call it done and hand it to you. So a lot of times I've seen multiple um, military box plate kilts that have come to us, and someone says literally like, hey, can, can, you, can you fix this? The dry cleaner royally screwed it up um, because they don't want to baste it. They just want to get it in and out and done for their $12 or $5 charge that they're charging you mm. just to get it through the process. And they're not used to that kind of thing with that level of detail. So it's, I don't like, I don't like creating military box booty kilts because they're a pain in the butt. And ultimately you're as a customer, you're probably going to have issues with them in the long run because not many, not many people know how to treat them and clean them and re iron them when they need to be touched up. Right. So, but military box pleats are not military. Is that what you're saying? No, it's a military. Or it was a military thing. It's the way that some regiments within the British military had their kilts plated. Not everyone was done like that. Some of them were knife plated. Some of them weren't. Gotcha. There's, there's no hard and fast rule of everyone exactly like this. What I'm saying is it's a different style of box pleat from a traditional four yard box pleated kilt. So people... People generally recognize that it's not the same thing because it's not two-inch wide pleats and they're deeper in the depth of the pleat. So they figured, okay, it's not a it's not a box plate, so we have to call it something else. Okay. So it is done Since they knew some for the military. Used it, they used so we call it a military box plate to differentiate it from a regular. Both are box plates. Um, so it's it's a type of box plate. It's a subset gotcha. of a subset. Okay. Makes sense, Mac. Am I militarily speaking? Yeah, no. I mean, you're also, I you also see it called as a rolled pleat. You see it. Rolled pleat's different because you, you don't you iron s- it. Yeah, really. But you do see, I you do see that term inter- intermittent <coughs> used back and forth between bo- military box and rolled. Yeah, you, you do see that a lot, at least from the aspect of a historical line of, of trying to do, uh, you know, trying to recreate something like with my World War One reenacting. Like we definitely get into the arguments or 
the discussions of, <laughs> well, this unit had this. Well, no, because there was you have different contractors, and each contractor does it a certain yeah. way. Yeah, we've yep. talked about so that. So you, you see within one unit, you see a variety of different mm-hmm. things. And we actually had the uh, the Blackwatch Museum in, in Perth verify that. Um, we were able to talk to one of the curators there, and, and it was... Yep, he said, I got three kilts from the same unit, all the same time period, and all three of them were different. Mm-hmm. That's the level of detail we provide you, is actually calling the Blackwatch Museum, getting a hold of the curator, <laughs> and verifying the information independently. God, they hate us sure so much correct. now. Man. Yes. Oh, that's the USA Kilts guys to. again. <laughs> yeah. Lose our number, buddy. No. <laughs> all right. Thank you, boys and girls, for sticking with us. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed watching our idiocy, buffoonery, all that. I hope you learned something for the Tartans. I hope you learned that Mac was faster than me, and I will (laughs) dock his pay later on. Um, Anyway, until next time, boys and girls. Slanjava. Slanjava. Thanks for joining us, guys. Our podcast theme song is Gold and Guns by the Kilmaine Saints. If you have a question for us, you can ask it during our YouTube live stream the first Friday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to get social with other kilt enthusiasts, go check out the Kilts and Culture group over on Facebook. You can also find USA Kilts on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or over at our website, usakilts.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, Slanjava.